Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. cookies that showed up to us today so um i want to try to let me see here let me if i can hold those up do you need instructions i do need instructions <laughs> to open these up so um but before we do i want to welcome both of you to the show welcome to connected by water presented by joey cardi chrysler dodge Jeep Ram. we are here today with uh show regular we will title that's your official title now show regular, show regular. um george Pavromo and um we are delighted to have Debbie Hansen with us and to join us today. Drove all the way over from the West Coast for us. So Thank you so much yeah. for having me. It's an honor to be here. Awesome. So you, I think the funniest part about this whole situation is she came all the way over from the West Coast and still beat me here. And I, I, live, I live five minutes from here. I walk in here and she, she is like waiting for me. Like I am smiling ear to ear. and always paranoid I'm going to be late or I'm going to run into traffic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was just great. I was like, whoops. I said, the fishing guide in me coming out. I yep. have to be early, extra early. Well, that, that's the first thing I thought of. I was like, man, I want to go fishing with her. She seems like she's on it. So, uh, <laughs> Bonus points, too, for being there early. I mean, if you're going to fish, definitely want to be there ahead of the game. Yep, yep, absolutely. And um, and uh, how you doing, John? Good? I'm doing good. Doing good. You got I'm your good. mic waiting for you to open up those cookies. Yeah, wait for <laughs> <laughs> right, well, we're gonna, we're going to pour some rum John's first, like getting sure. ready to fall asleep already. I'm yeah. <laughs> Now, now, George. Yes, we have in front of us a bottle of uh, Papa's Pilar. Yeah, uh, that's the only the way I, I get reinvited back because you know I bring these. <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone's going to receive um, our official blue cup. Sounds good. It's only official today. We won't mix it with a hand sanitizer. Uh, that could um, be bad. It's good to know you mash your cups with your decor. <laughs> yeah, I tried to. It's always that's, good. That's Jenny. I have to thank Jenny for that. And uh, we'll get to the cookies after the room. So, now watch George laugh at me while I fumble through this. No, I opened it for you. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a time That save. was so nice it's of you. Time you're the move. best. You're you know, the I, best. I don't want to sit here well, and, be I don't be and watch you 10 minutes try to open it. Yeah. 
<laughs> he did this the first time. It took him, Debbie. I 10, saw it. I, I watched like, it. All thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> I have not had the Marquesas yet, so I'm very much. That is my forward. favorite of Papa's Pilar Marquesas, but it's from the sentimental value too, because the Marquesas are. Uh, it's, it's the uh, 28 miles west of Key West, and you mm-hmm. can do the Atlantic side. But I love, you know, the rock piles on the Gulf side. Grew up doing that in that area, so it has special meaning. So it probably tastes a little bit better, yeah, because of that. Of course. Any I'm trying, I'm trying to keep this secret, and now I can't close it. Lord in heaven, some brand ambassador I'm going to be. Did I let the cat out of the bag? I did. Okay. Sorry. So cheers. Well, cheers. cheers. Thank you, Dennis. Fishing, good friends, Florida, and, and uh, welcome Absolutely. you guys into the holiday season. So and and you is... finally got Debbie Hanson talking to come on over to the, the real coast where the real fishing takes place. Oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, here my we go. gosh. Here we go. Here we go. He wants to and kick it, it off right off yes. the bat, George. George never... Uh, Never fails. Well, right? you're always bringing the thunder. One thing I'll just I'll throw right out here, just because I know you're real close. If you have an ink to deal with Papa's Pilar, mm-hmm. no, we're good. A sponsor, we're beautiful, good. which is yep. fantastic. We're totally good. So now that you have him as a sponsor, mm-hmm. I'm thinking now maybe since it's going to be part of pretty much every podcast, mm-hmm. start doing a podcast around four or five in the afternoon. <laughs> This 10 o'clock in the morning, drinking rubs. This serious wino stuff. <laughs> so we did discuss that. So John and I, John and I are going to move the podcast recording time to late Monday. Loving like around it. There four, you go. Four yep. o'clock. Yep. You know, end of day Monday. There you go. Sound like yep. a good idea, Debbie? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Yep. We when we move the store, we don't think we're going to have the retail portion of it open on Mondays. So a lot of studio galleries are not open on Mondays anyway. It's just sort of a traditional thing. Um, plus, you don't make a lot of art sales on Mondays retail-wise. So I think what we're going to do is, you know, when we do it from the store, we'll be able to relax and come in and hang out in the store ahead of time and go right into the new podcast room that we're building. We're going to build a new fishbowl. And, um, and yeah. So I don't know what we're going to do for the next few months while we're building out the new space. We may stay here for a little bit. Uh, we might um, record from Harris's Deerfield House. Um, out east, oh, yeah, sure. something like that. So he's offered that. So one way or another, we're going to figure it out. Although it's always good to give people rum and then let them shop. <laughs> that is true. They spend money that way, Dennis. That they is spend true. Money that well, way. We, we can, uh, you know, my wife can attest for that. We're the, we're the worst at that. Like we go down to the beach or something and we go out for a couple of drinks and we'll start strolling and spend hundreds of dollars. It's, it's a lot of fun. Let me tell you. So, um, God, thank you so much. I want to I want to take a look at these cookies here that you brought in. So you you brought these cookies and they were created hand created by your friend, my friend Eve Nolan of Eve's Custom Cookies and Cakes out of Fort Myers, actually out of the Alva area, which is north of Fort Myers. She does an amazing amazing job. These are beautiful and they're look at that hand package. Look at that. Connected right. by water cookies. <laughs> I love it. Would you like one, George? I'm going to definitely have one. Yeah. And they're good, too. I've had them before. Here you go. Thank you, you so and, much. And, and we're not going to give one I heard that these cookies <laughs> pair very well with, with rum. Well, <laughs> yeah. This with is, the Marquesas blend. This is breakfast, so I'm going <laughs> for mine. So this is, um, this is, this is wonderful, because it's Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, and, it is. Um, Thanksgiving. You know, I, I don't know if the, we're going to get, we're not probably not going to get this episode up before Thanksgiving, but still, this is when we're recording it. It's a couple of days before Thanksgiving, so... Um, you know, I, I want to thank you guys for coming in again. And um, I want to talk a lot about uh, Fort Myers today, um, if you wouldn't mind, if maybe you can educate us on a few things. I know you fish over there a, a lot. Um, and uh, I do. 
And um, every once in a while. Well, I'm saying I, I looked. At, I was looking. <laughs> oh, at you're talking to George. Yeah, I'm saying I know it, I, from both of you guys, but <laughs> you know, she seems like she's the <laughs> no, expert no, she here the expert on, at the table <laughs> today. So I'm just gonna that, be quiet. That, yeah. But um, I do do more freshwater. Yeah, so you do so, a lot of freshwater. Yep. You do a lot of inshore. Um, yep. You know, is it mostly artificial that you're fishing with? Yeah, or? yeah. When I'm when I'm doing the freshwater fishing, when I on my all my charters, I do mostly all fr- fly, light mm-hmm. tackle, fly, uh, light tackle and fly. Yep. Nice. I was checking That's out it. your Instagram, and it's quite the impressive, um, impressive lineup of fish you're holding up there. So, yeah. I saw that clown knife that you recently caught was. Impressive. I've never caught a clown knife. That was with Alberto Nee, Crazy Alberto. Yeah, that was my second, the, my second clown knife, actually. Was it? I'm supposed to be knocking that off my list here soon, but yeah. I'm also supposed to be knocking a bunch of snook off the list. But that's the, this coast. With John, too. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take me through a little bit. The reason I like, I'm really talking on the podcast like my mouth while I'm eating. The reason why I like liked having both of you here in the studio at the same time because you guys have done a lot of work together um, in the past. So take me through some of that relationship that you guys have together. Jeez, I'm trying to even think where it started. Um, I guess it starts back with the seminar series. Mm-hmm. And we're always trying to involve more female faculty members. And it's very difficult to find. I mean, it's easy to find females who fish. I mean, that's piece of cake. But it's difficult for what we're doing to find somebody, a female, who has the knowledge that could run up against, you know, the more experienced male anglers and that could talk the talk. In other mm-hmm. words, when you're up there in our stage and we're discussing subtleties, lure rigging, you know, what pound fluorocarbon, how do you tie it? What are some of the subtleties of work and debate? To talk about all aspects, it, it, it falls off dramatically. We have difficulties trying to find what I like to call, and no offense, take legitimate saltwater angling females that could actually talk the talk. Mm-hmm. So in our massive search going out there, uh, Debbie Hansen, a name kept coming back to me, Debbie Hansen. So I would you know, to check her out. So I would check her out on social media, and I see a bunch of freshwater fish, very impressive <laughs> freshwater fish. Because, I man, I mean, she's got this freshwater thing nailed down. And, you know, what about the saltwater? Then they start looking deeper. There's redfish here, trout here, some tarpon over here. So, well, it's worthy of a phone call. Let me talk to her. And correct me if the timing's off here. So I, I, I spoke to her a bit and felt her out on the phone. And and um, I think the first thing you did with me was a seminar series, right? It was. Yeah, it was. I think it was about, what, three years ago? I'm losing track of time. I think it was about three years ago. So I said, okay, well, let me give her a, a try. She's out of Naples. She knows, not Naples, Fort Myers. She knows her stuff. So we came to Fort Myers with the seminar series, and she was part of our panel member on that particular day and did an exceptionally good job. I said, you know, I was talking to Rob, our technical director, because he judges a lot of people, too, as far as who's uh, really sharp up there and who's not. And he says, you know, she really did a super good job. So then I started thinking about that, and we were planning our television shooting schedule, and the same thing there, trying to find a female angler or a show guest that could really, you know, like anybody could sit and crank in a fish and, and, and look great out there, but someone who could really complement the style of fishing that you're doing and be actually part of the crew, right. again, super difficult to find. And it, uh, so I said, well, let me try Debbie Hansen. I said, a cool show idea would be to take her out of her element. I know she's mostly freshwater and light, you know, uh, inshore saltwater. So 
I think it was at the ACR booth, the Miami Boat Show. You it were was. doing something there. It <laughs> was. Walked over there when she was done with her, her thing and said, Debbie, we're, we're mapping out our show schedule. And I said, uh, would you be up to doing a show with me, being a guest angler? And I said, what I'd like to do is sort of take you out of your element. Let's go to Treasure Cay Bahamas. Jump on the Mark 6 and go. And, and, and I think it'd be a cool slant, something that you don't do, the offshore stuff. And so I never get those calls from him, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. so it took you, what, five days to think about it? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So five done. seconds, not even. It, it was done. So she had accompanied us to Treasure K and we had done a show over there. So that's where we really started. And then I, and then what's good about her is we could get in this later on in discussion was that she's really a super good angler. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, fun to be with on the boat. And it's, you know, like one of the guys. And I think she, and her 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 angle, and I know the angle is not really a good word to use, but her angle is, and, and what we do is she promotes the female aspect of anglers and trying to promote saltwater fishing to female anglers mm-hmm. and trying to grow that end of it, which is a very huge market that take a lot of people take for granted. So she has been working on that aspect to build that up, has been doing an exceptional job. Mm-hmm. So she's been a number in a number of our seminars since and um, you know, we're in an area to fun fish, uh, you know, at Fort Myers, I'll tell her to jump on the boat or come over here. So that that's how that relationship started. So she's really, you know, an ace when it comes to fishing and representing uh, the sport of saltwater fishing and the female angler. Um, angle again, the word yeah. I don't like to use, but I'm using it. <laughs> Quite the promotion right there, Debbie. <laughs> but it's all true. I shucks, I'm I'm blushing. I mean, it's for me and and learning more about offshore fishing, which obviously on the West Coast, unless we're going to be motoring out for yeah, two hours. <laughs> yeah, right, you know, yeah. I don't get a chance to do that hardly at all. I mean, I've gone down to the Keys. I used to go down to the Keys, you know, 2006, 2000, through, through 2008. I've mm-hmm. fished a couple of sailfish tournaments down there. But I really, you know, rigging and all the ins and outs that go with offshore fishing, it's definitely not my strong point at mm-hmm. all. And mm-hmm. I don't know anything about it. So being able to go out with a legend like George and learn so much about the offshore game and kind of help, you know, fill in my range of experience. And, and that's a great thing about fishing. No matter how much you think, you know, you can never know it all. That's the I truth. mean, it's a lifelong learning experience and, and, and amazing. I'm going to add to this where fishing, and I've always believed this is I think it's to be a very good angler, having those traits, it's genetic. Mm-hmm. It's something in you. And when I fished with her, now, the first time we fished together was Treasure K, totally out of her element. She's offshore. <clears throat> we had her catching hand cranking uh, <laughs> yellow eyes from 600 feet of water to, uh, you know, bringing a beautiful 30-some pound bull dolphin alongside a boat that I missed. I couldn't sleep for two weeks leading up to this I trip, by the way. Her. I lost an honor. And then she catches a white marlin and she releases it. But what I noticed is that you took her out of her element, but still that rhythm was there that when she was fighting, whether it was the yellow eyes, hand cranking or the white Marlin, you could see the rhythm that just like takes over. So that's where, you know, that's almost like a genetic kind of a deal that like something like that's in your soul. Mm-hmm. You could take somebody out, show them saltwater fishing, take them out a bunch and you know, they'll be reeling fish and, you know, catching fish or whatever. And some people, just get good enough to be okay at it. 
mm-hmm. they lack that internal rhythm or whatever it is. And other people are born with it. And when I saw her on that trip and then how she could adapt so quickly to fighting a lot of these fish and, and everything, that's when I knew that, okay, that's, it, it's going back to the genetic stuff that, right. that is legitimately in her. And I think true passion speaks to that as well. Well, that too, but you yeah. could have passion, but you could still not be. Oh yeah, no, that, for sure. No, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Until uh, he had me deep dropping, said. and then I was like, um, "Are these fish ever coming up? <laughs> what the heck?" <laughs> I don't want to reel them up, so I'll let her do it. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, you brought up a topic of the promotion of um, you know women who fish and girls who fish or whatever the hashtag is, and um, you know we are obviously a big proponent of that here at the studio. Um, you know, as a father of a daughter um, who shows promise as an angler now, I think it's really important. I don't want to ever her have her face a wall that she doesn't need to un- like unnecessarily face. Um, my wife did not grow up fishing. I'm working on that. You know, but she's doing a great job. We recently took a trip down to the Keys, and she caught the biggest trout of anyone on the boat down in the backcountry. Awesome. So trying to get her a little addicted to it, you know <laughs> what I mean, in some calmer seas, and you go in the backcountry, you know what I mean, get her reeling up some fish. So, um, But obviously some of the work we do um, you know, with other women in the area, um, it's important you know, because it doesn't need to be just a male-dominated sport. There's no reason for that whatsoever. Um, so take me through some of like the things that you do to promote that aspect and, um, possibly maybe touch on, you know, why freshwater over saltwater to start out with, or, you know, your evolution just so to speak. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, as far as speaking to the, how, how am I getting more women involved in the sport or how do we as an industry is, is the better question, get more women involved in the sport. I think really it just comes down to skills and abilities and us always striving to be better anglers, no matter if we're male or female. I think it's important to give women a forum and the support that they need because Mm -hmm. that was one of the things when I was growing up, I'm so grateful that my grandpa got me out on the water when I was little. I mean, both my parents worked full time. Dad was in heating and air conditioning, blue collar worker and worked long hours. My dad, too. Really? Yeah. 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 Mom was in human resources for a company called Masonite that made hardwood paneling back in the day. So both of them worked really long hours at their jobs and worked hard. And every summer, you know, they were working. So my grandparents took me up to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and my grandpa got me out on the boat. And it was never a question of, oh, well, I should be taking her brother it was just put Debbie in the boat. She's coming with me. She's going to be my, you know, I'm taking her fishing. And I never thought anything about the fact that I was a girl and I was fishing. It's just something I loved. And I love spending time with him and all of those memories on the water from, you know, the time I was so young just kept building on each other. And that was kind of the one thing that brought my family together. The one way we were all connected by water as a family, you know, a lot of times life got crazy But the fact of the matter is whenever we were all out on that boat, it was like family time and those memories that I really cherished with my grandfather. And it always amazed me. I I remember sitting on the end of his fishing pier in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, just looking in his tackle box at all the different lures and just thinking to myself, 
well, I wonder what that one does. And what does that one do? And just, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the fact that he knew, okay, we're going to go fish for largemouth bass on the north end of the lake because it's shallower up there. And then we're going to go troll some weed beds for a walleye. And it was just so cool to me that he knew where different species of fish would be holding in that lake. And I just remember being so young, but being so entranced by that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I think as time went on, you know, when I was growing up, I really, I hate to say it, but I I really didn't fit in with a lot of my friends because a lot of my girlfriends were into Barbie dolls and stuff. And I was one that was out in the yard building forts and catching frogs and climbing trees and Mm -hmm. making mud pies. And, you know, I, I hated wearing dresses. I was more comfortable wearing jeans and a ripped up sweatshirt. And that was just how it was. But Um, so yeah, there weren't, and at that time it was kind of frustrating because it's like, okay, there's no one out there that, that I can really relate to, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, this was like in the eighties as I was growing up and there really wasn't anyone that I knew of that I could relate to. So I think as time went on and I started to do more, I started a, a blog, um, both my parents actually were diagnosed with cancer when I was in my thirties, early thirties. And it was one of those situations where I just realized, you know what, life is so short and it's too short to be doing something you don't love and you're not passionate about. So I started a blog on the evenings, working on on the weekends, and I really wanted it to be a resource and a place where women could go if they had a question about fishing or if they wanted to learn something and get that information from another female angler, but also feel like, Hey, here's some place I can go. I can comment on the blog. If I've got questions, about how to set up a Texas rig for bass, or if I've got questions about, you know, what leader I should be buying if I'm inshore fishing for sea trout or snook or redfish. And it just grew from there. Um, Take Me Fishing, one of the marketing coordinators for Take Me Fishing ended up seeing my blog and they asked me to submit a a proposal to do a weekly blog blog for their website And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, wow, someone's going to pay me to write about something that I love. And everything just kind of started building from there. But always keeping in mind that I wanted education to be central and I wanted women to feel supported because there was a time in my life where I didn't feel like I really had that, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Role models are important. So important. To to, to anyone growing up. So important. Even male or female. I mean, I remember there was a time, you know, a few years back when um, I think it was Charles Barkley was saying some things in the media about, you know, role models. He's like, I'm not a role model. I just play basketball. And there was a big argument about that. He's like, well, I think there's a lot of like, you know, young 10, 9, 10-year-old boys or teenage boys across the country that would disagree. And they'd absolutely look, look at you as a role model. When you get to a certain level, you have a responsibility, I think. That's what they say. With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. And I, I do truly believe that. Um, so, you know, I'm looking at you going, man, that's just fantastic saying that, no, you didn't have that role model and you become one. You know what I mean? You ba- you basically put your money, you know, where your mouth is and, and you're just like, you know what, if that's not there, I'm going to carve this out and I'm going to create it for myself and I'm going to be that because it's missing in the world. But it's then impressive. going back, thinking about when I first moved to Florida, I would go into the tackle shop and I would pick up a saltwater sportsman hardcover book on all the different inshore and offshore species. And I'd read George's 
articles now (laughs) and and you know of course yeah i mean it come on stop (laughs) i mean if you gave me the ten commandments i could hold them up right here come on now it wasn't that long ago i'm gonna do that i'm gonna illustrate that the ten george you don't look anything like charlton heston you don't look anything like charlton heston by the way Um, an insult or a compliment i don't know no it's a compliment trust me yeah it's a compliment no, it, so, I mean, yeah, thank goodness I had, I have people like George to be role models, mm-hmm. you know, as time go, has gone on, because I think with what we do in this industry, you have to diversify yourself, mm-hmm. right? If you're going to, it's true. if you're going to be true. successful, you have to, I mean, look at what exactly what you're doing. You've got the fine art, you're doing apparel, you're doing your podcasts and, and you really have to have multiple touch points and, and always, I think, you know, be providing that value and education to people. That's how we continue to pay it forward, get the next generation involved in the sport and hopefully keep inspiring people, yeah, you know, through absolutely. our love. And she has one other thing that's really fueling her for, you know, this, you know, the time that we're in right now mm-hmm. is that females or women have become so important now uh, not only in, in the fishing aspect, but in the decision of whether or not that family buys a boat or doesn't buy a boat. Now, you turn the yeah, hands of time back 20 years, you know, maybe and for sure beyond that, you know, guy walks in, hey, I love this 23 center console here. You know what? I'm, that's pretty good. I'm just going to buy the thing. You know, no consulting with the wife or whatever. But now when you look at boats, center console boats are costing as much as a house. It's no longer... You know, rarely is it one person's decision now. Now it's a family-oriented decision where the wife gets involved. Mm-hmm. So now, oh yeah, the, the, the right, <laughs> the, the, the man who wants to go buy the boat now he's got a sweet talker and that. But look at these amenities. You imagine going out here and this and that. So now the female becomes a major part of boat buying decisions where that was not a factor or a major factor, yeah. a minimum twenty years ago and for sure beyond that. So now. It, it, it's a whole whole other world that we're living Plus, in. Plus, think about all the women that are buying their own boats now and how yeah. many more women you're starting to see come onto the scene sure. as guides, wanting to get out there on the water on yeah. their own because we all know that feeling of freedom that comes with being out there on mm-hmm. the water is nothing that can be replaced by anything else. I mean, when you're getting out there and you're heading out to your fishing spot first thing in the morning and that sun is coming up. It's the best, isn't it? There is no (laughs) better feeling than that. You can't replicate that. And I think, you know, it used to, it used to really bother me. And it's one of the things I think that's fueled me because I would hear a lot of my female friends say they'd see me out there fishing and they'd be like, well, I need somebody to take me fishing. And that would really almost kind of like break my heart. I'm like, why do they feel like they can't get out there and do it on their own? Why do they feel like someone has to take them? So how can I help them feel empowered to get out there and actually learn everything they need to know to do it on their own? Whether it's from a kayak, from the shore, from a 15-foot John boat, <laughs> from a, an offshore fishing boat, regardless Yep. You can get out there and do it. You can learn. We have so many resources at our fingertips these days between, you know, a lot of the boat manufacturers that are offering fishing classes and boating classes between the U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary offering boating safety courses. I mean, there are so many resources out there if we just 
tap into them and take advantage of them. Yeah, and I think the guys need to take some of those border safety courses as well. Oh, you think? So, yeah. <laughs> so not just the women that need no, to take No, no, I, I mean, you're right. It's it's everybody across the board. So I want to ask you, like, on your your charters, do you find you're getting more women coming to, or are you getting kind of a mix of both? It, it's a mix. I'm getting a lot of couples, a okay. lot of couples. I get a lot of husbands who will call me and say, I'd love to book a trip with you for my wife and I. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm getting, I would say probably half 50% of my trips are couples. And then, yeah, that's good. Are you getting a lot of the women that come on your trip? Like, cause you kind of alluded to, Oh, I wish someone could take me. Are you finding you're teaching a lot of them? on the water or you bringing on like, you know, anglers that already kind of know what they're doing. No, a lot of them are are new to fishing. And I think, so getting back to your earlier question about freshwater fishing and Mm -hmm. and the inshore fishing, I think that especially with freshwater, I think a lot of people feel less intimidated by it. There, you know, there's a lot of uncertainties that are taken out. I mean, it's, it's, you know, freshwater fishing, a lot of people who live in Southwest Florida are from the Midwest they're familiar with fishing on lakes, freshwater fishing, catching bass. So there's already a familiarity factor there. Yeah. And then they come down to Florida and it's like, this is a great way to kind of segue them into our sport and get them out on the water, get them comfortable with it, get them comfortable, you know, with using the gear and fishing artificials and different baits and lures and to see if they want to get into fly fishing or not. So they get that, that base, that comfort level And then from there, it just builds. I mean, you think about most all of us. I mean, I bet anything you started off fishing for bass when you were growing up here. You know, it was something we could all do from the shoreline. And it's how we got our feet wet when we were learning. I'm I'm what they call a West End boy. Over here, the East Coast is the beach. For you, it's the West Coast, which when I went to art school in Sarasota, I had to get used to that. Yeah. Yeah, Because when I would always tell people, like, now I'm living on the other coast, I didn't know which way it was up or down because I would always gauge everything about where the beach is. So I would always, people, and people say, oh, where is it? I'm like, oh, you got to head out east that way. You know, and then one time a buddy of mine was like, man, I kept driving all the way down 301, like, you know, whatever. And like, oh, I almost made it to I-75. I I couldn't find this place at all. I'm like, and then he goes, oh, east, west. You know what I mean? And I, that's when I kind of really learned my lesson when I sent my buddy the wrong way. <laughs> but, but, yeah. So uh, east coast, west coast thing. You know, it's funny you um, that it seems like the west coasters are more from the Midwest over there. Because I have some experience from living in Sarasota Definitely. for a while. But most of the east coasters are from the northeast. Correct. That's yeah. A, yeah. That's, a, that's a absolutely. Yeah, sure, I see that. So I always thought that was an interesting, and I always wondered why that was, and I couldn't quite figure it well, out. But the north, but that, okay, that, that kind I of explains the attitudes of both coasts. But oh, well, here we go. Theory. Let's hear it. Yeah, but, she, she already knows me. She knows it. <laughs> yeah. <account>. Yep. <laughs> Is okay. Look at the fishing you have off the northeast. You got excellent canyon fishing for the tunas and everything. You've got striped bass. You have fluke. You have blackfish on the wrecks and all that. So it only goes to, to, to say that the Northeast people and anglers who come down to Southeast Florida versus the Midwest anglers or people who come to Southwest Florida, the ones from the Northeast realize what a real ocean looks like, where the ones in the uh, Midwest trout ponds that, so they go to Southwest Florida. You know, I always <laughs> said that over in Fort Myers, they're 190 miles away from the real ocean, which is called the Atlantic. Oh, oh my God. Okay. Right. Uh, that was a joke. Okay. <laughs> Debbie, your rebuttal. Your rebuttal. 
What about yeah? What about all the people from the Midwest that have moved down to Southwest Florida that don't fish? Which that, they should fish. That's but, true. Yeah, well, yeah, and vice versa on your coast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Who doesn't fish? I mean, we don't need. To talk I know, to right? We don't. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, there's too many people fishing now. Have you been out in that yeah. water lately? Yeah, on a weekday? seriously, yeah, that's true. I think we yeah. overpromoted this. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and right now during these times, it's yeah. the one thing people can get out there and do and be somewhat safe away from everyone yeah. else. So, yeah. Who would ever think that our industry, given the COVID deal and everything? You know, our industry is an entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. It's the first one that gets knocked off the budget. The last one to recover, you know, when things start getting better again. And here you go with a COVID craziness like we're in right now. Mm-hmm. And you would think that our industry would just, that be the end of it. It has a resurgence like. It's been the best no, ever. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's like crazy. You talk about a silver lining yeah. behind a dark cloud. It's like yeah. un- unbelievable. And that's, that's most definitely. Yeah. The industry is, is, and you know, all the major boat shows cancel for 21. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. done. And um, so it, it's like, it, it's just bizarre. I'm, I'm scratching my head at how we took such a big bounce in the positive direction during this whole virus with social distancing. Mm-hmm. And like I, I, we had this talk before, I believe. Fishing out of Key West not that long ago, we always go during the weekdays so we don't get caught up in right. the uh, weekend traffic. And the weekends off of Key West, they look like Miami Beach in the weekdays. Or, or look like It's crazy the amount yeah. of people that are out there right now. Well, boat sales are up. Everyone yeah. wants to get you know, out yeah. of enclosed spaces and into wide open spaces. And I also have a theory that we've discussed this before. I think you, the used boat market is going to be on fire in about a couple of years. And oh, people right. realize what they got themselves <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> holding their breath on that one. Hopefully it's not for a long, long, long yeah. time. But when that bottom falls out, and I hope it never, yeah. ever does, right. it's going to be... You know, yeah, I don't it wish it. I'm just thinking there's going to be a lot, especially a lot of the, you know, nothing against my Miami a, folks, but a lot of these Miami guys that got themselves into a smaller center console just for their family, and they're going to realize that they need to maintain that thing, too, and it's a hole in the water surrounded by fiberglass. And what's more, uh, worth uh, money uh, into? That's, yeah. that's, yeah. right? that's an understatement. Yeah. But yeah. I think we're, we're also going to have two other issues, and that's how are we, are we going to retain all these anglers in our sport, and then how are we spreading the conservation message because with all of the additional anglers and boaters that are out there. That's a darn fine question. I'll right tell there. you the answer because I, I, you know, I've lived through this through, you know, good times, recessions and in the industry the whole bit. When things are really good, everybody wants to do it. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, he's got a boat now that looks fun. I'm going to buy a boat. I got some extra cash or whatever. I'm buying a boat. I'm in it. So you get the fringe people now that think this is cool. They buy a boat. They're into it. And then things start getting a little bit tight or whatever. They're the first ones to actually leave it. But the, the, from the beginning of time all the way through whenever this bubble bursts, and like mm-hmm. I said, I hope it never, ever does. When the stimulus money runs out? When that runs out. <laughs> they better keep that printing press going. You mean it's still there? <laughs> well, then there you go. But what supports our industry, the fringe people jump in because it's cool and they want to do it and their neighbors have it, their friends, and then – when things get a little bit bumpy, they're gone. But the ones that continue the sport or industry through the good times, the bad times, are the serious, hardcore anglers that that view this as their passion in sport. Now, during hard times, they might not go out and buy a brand new outboard. They're going to milk this thing till things get a little bit better. They might not buy a new tackle till things get better. But they're spending gas. They're buying some lures. They're buying baits. They're keeping that economy going. So. Mm-hmm. 
when things are good, the French people come in. When things get a little shaky, French people are out, but it's the backbone of the serious fishing people that keep us going yeah. across the board when things get a little bit tough. I also think that those people that you mentioned, the backbone people, yeah. it's really on them to have the responsibility and the wherewithal to promote the conservation message like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So these people that are new to not only the sport, well, but the lifestyle. Well, it, it is. It could be a lot better. That's it, true. Yeah, but, it could, but be, I think it could always there. be better. It could always be better. I mean, you know, we just did a really great episode on, on the local issues on clean water yesterday. And, you know, I think everyone needs to understand, you know, the current state, especially on, I know you guys have your, oh, own, your own issues over yes, there. We, we have our issues mm -hmm. yes, as well. Um, and I think, uh, you know, everyone needs to have a clear understanding as to what, yeah, you know, so awesome. How, we're moving. Your, we're moving. Say, roof on, <laughs> how's your liability insurance? I think, I think the studio. Did somebody bring an imaginary you know, friend? And we're not watching on YouTube. The walls are starting to we're fall. Yeah, we're watching the roof collapse right behind Dennis. That's so good. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway. Well, go, go ahead. What were, now, what were, you were, I don't know. I'm drinking saying. around my colleagues. <laughs> yeah, say. Anyway, and, uh, that, that's really strange, isn't it, John? That's very strange. Sure. Very strange, isn't it, that the walls just fell down? You know what else is strange? Our strange questions. Oh, oh, segue. Here we go. You're a radio girl. You got to appreciate that go. segue, right? So we got our strange questions here. So we're going to mix these up a little bit. <laughs> Don't let me forget to read Ben's on my phone. Right. And um, a good friend of ours. Right. Uh, this is, you know, I'm going to introduce this this way. All right. Because this is going to be the segment um, that um, Papa's Pilar specifically um, represents. Oh, yeah, so this go, is go figure, but go ahead. Right, this is this is the uh, Papa's Pilar strange questions <laughs> of the day, um, coming from our good friend um, Jerry Hawes. Oh yeah, right, sure. Um, and he asks George, "How many Papa's Pilars does it take for George to give up those yellow eye numbers?" <laughs> and the yellow eye numbers, if I want to state here, well, there was a picture that ran. I think you posted it on your site, Dennis. Of uh, Debbie Hansen and myself mm -hmm. at from Treasure K when we were Hank or not. Oh, is away, that the is that what that was? Cranking those snappers. Oh wow! From five yeah. six hundred feet of water. Uh, that was the picture. So I posted the right to. picture today. You and did. let's just yeah. be mindful of who actually reeled those fish it was up. Her. I'm not even trying and to who claim was it. just holding the fish. I was taking <laughs> the pictures. I was taking the pictures too. Yeah. <laughs> but in reference or answer to Jerry on that, how um, uh, there's not enough rum that they could pump out of their distillery for me to give away any any gps numbers <laughs> i mean I, I, you know my whole philosophy is that uh, so many of these numbers and spots are, are mine but then i have the opportunity when we do shows with guest anglers to go to a lot of their key spots mm -hmm. and they always ask me please don't ever put numbers or that's i don't i, I respect right. that yeah you should so Whenever I sell my boat or whatever, first thing I do is, is completely purge everything out of all my electronics so nobody could get to any kind of numbers. Mm -hmm. So I respect You could probably those. charge more for your boat if you I wouldn't even do that. I know it because somebody <laughs> actually, what, the last, I'm, I'm not going to tell you whether the last person or one before that wanted to give me X amount of dollars more if I left the numbers in. And it was a healthy bite. And I'm saying I can't do that because yeah. these are people's livelihoods. Yeah, that's good. And they've trusted me. So you got the element of trust which in my opinion wins out over money. So everything is purged. So in, in reference to Jerry, I, I don't give out any numbers whatsoever. So. Good, good on you. Good on you. Yeah. The, um, 
probably going to need, are you going to leave those numbers in your will to somebody maybe? Um, <laughs> no, nah, I'm going to, they're going to put that in that, that, that 33 Mako they bury me in. I'll be holding it like the machine like this. Yeah. Drop me down. You should print <laughs> them all. I've been with Mako long enough. They might as well bury me in one. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like you print them all out. You put them in a sea chest and just drop it. Exactly. Like out in the swordfish like grounds. Just, those are all my numbers. Right. If anyone wants them, go get so, them. So tell Jerry, sorry. Yeah. I'll are the stone that. tablets going to be in there too? That, that's going to help me sink. Okay. You know, we... well, when those hit the ground, they explode, don't they? But, 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 see, but, but see, modern True. times. Oh, good. Dennis. Modern times, they've been converted to graphite. Yeah, right. Carbon fiber. <laughs> Ten commandments made out of carbon fiber. Okay, uh, this next question is for Debbie, um, which comes from my wife, Liz Friel, who now thinks that she is the best angler in the family since she yeah, Liz. caught the uh, largest. Uh, spec trout there um, on the boat. So she asked Debbie, who is better at fishing men or women? And why is it women? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't think it's about men and women. I think it's just about being a good angler mm -hmm. period. Good answer. Good I answer. think it's but about I, being I a, a good angler. I think that I have I a theory on it though. Do you? Yep. I, I think, I think okay. women are better anglers. I really do. Um, Don't say it's because they listen better. No, it's not. Okay, thank God. It's because, and, and I, I think this particularly speaks for fly fishing. Um, I think just, they have just a better touch. I think I think women have a more sensitive, softer touch, and, and they have they can listen to the fish better. There, there's some truth to that. Yeah, there is, and uh, and, and it goes back to the they listen to the fish better, not the. But we're kind of generalizing, right? We're kind of generalizing yeah, a little no, bit. True. You're right. She is. She's You're right. Kind of generalizing a little guy. bit. I'm, I'm no, I'm not guy. saying that. I'm just saying, you know, I, I mean, I've had, I've had both equally. I've had, you know, women on my boat mm -hmm. that horse the fish in, and I've had guys on my boat that are awesome with finesse fishing mm -hmm. a net rig, and you know, they they can land an eight pound bass on eight pound test you mm -hmm. know, line and it's no problem. So it comes back to what I said originally, <laughs> whether it's a male or female, it's the, when I explained Debbie, when I watched her offshore out of her element and try not try, but she did adapt to fighting these fish and the techniques, you know, you got a white Marlin, mm -hmm. one of the most craziest acrobatic fish, you know, sailfish has a certain rhythm to it, a blue Marlin greyhound and white Marlin comes off in several different directions of trying to either keep tight to that fish and work it. It comes down to that inherent rhythm that you have that you could adapt and pick that up mm -hmm. where she brought that over from the freshwater and the, and the uh, inshore saltwater she does over there. The same fighting techniques and rhythm came into play, and I watched how they sort of, she adapted to that when she was fighting the offshore fish. Mm -hmm. and, and it just comes across. So I'm going to go with her on that, that it, it's, You've got the uh, men anglers that could have that right finesse touch, and you have the female anglers. I think it's more of a more of a skill, yeah. an inherent. I like that skill. answer that she gave. I, I, do I really do because you know I really do believe it's all about the individual person and, and, and how they you know. Sure, it is one thing that we do in our household with our children, um, or one thing we don't do. It depends on how you look at it. Is there's obviously controversial issues in the world. Um, you don't you say, know, do you? Feminism, racism, <laughs> you know, social aspects, right? Yeah. One thing we don't, and this, and it works really well, to be honest with you. So far, it's been, we've been noticing it's been very, very successful the way we do that, is that we don't spotlight these things with them. Like, we don't point it out. Like, just because you're a girl, I don't want everyone, anyone to ever say that you can't do it. I don't say that to her. We just don't talk about it. And the reason is, is because I don't want to, 
you're actually planting an idea in her head. Like she could take that as what do you, what do you mean? People are going to say, See? Bingo. That. you know what I mean? <laughs> yep. And we don't say anything like, Oh, just because someone else is a color of different color skin doesn't mean that, you know what I mean? You know, they're any different. You treat them. And then I don't want the idea going, what do you mean? They're different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't want to be the one to plant that in there. And if you look at their smattering of friends, they have never once asked me, why is her skin different? Why is her, they never even question it. Right? And I don't want them to. Like we grew up in a time where the message was kind of like, um, you know, we were colorblind, 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 right? And that really kind of resonated with me. I'm like, all right, cool, colorblind, let's do that. Let's give everyone equal kind of chance, colorblind, right? I don't like the enhancing of accentuating all these things because I think it plants seeds that don't need to be there. I agree. And, it's and, just kind and, of my you know, theory on and, it. And, and I, the little I've known you, which is really more than a little, you know, now that you know, you're just a good individual. And uh, so that carries over, and I've watched that with you. And, and that's why when you ask me to come over here and do these things, I do it, even despite I bring the free rum, but I still come because you're a good guy. This <laughs> <laughs> is great, by the way. It is. I fill him full of rum. He gives me compliments. I think you're ready for a second round if you're going to pour. You see why he's a show regular now? I see how this works. I see how this works right here. I'm a, you know, Debbie might, no, Debbie would definitely, she knows me enough that if I didn't like an individual, there's no way in the world that I would be sitting here even in the time of day. I mean, that's right. I mean, sometimes I could be a little harsh in the other element. But the reason I come back here, you know, you, you've got a – you're a good guy. You've got a good team in here, you know, and I enjoy coming here. So. Uh, that warms my heart, George. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. It's just Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving. This is Thanksgiving. That's right. Yeah, we're all getting the Thanksgiving There's all kinds mood. of positive vibes if going on it, right if here. If you pour a second round, we can enjoy yeah, that. Right, yeah, there we go. The second round. And we'll do this one in the honor of our, our good friend Brent Meckler. Is oh, my up God. Next. Here, yeah, here so, comes trouble. I can yeah, see this trouble, a mile trouble, away. Trouble brewing. So we're going to do a little bit more of our cases here. Round two. But um, you got to think, too, getting back to this male-female mm-hmm. issue or, or topic we're on, is that I would never, and I'm sure you take the Gale Force twins, you take any other women that are out there in this industry working professionally, mm-hmm. they would never want somebody, I would never want somebody coming on my boat and saying, oh, I booked you because you're a female guide. I would want somebody to book me because, hey, I've been out with you before. You knew your stuff. Right. You put me right. on fish. Right. You know your stuff. That's what it comes down a pleasurable to. Pleasurable experience out there. With I want to book you. Yeah, I want to book you because you're holding a monster fish, and you were here before me today. <laughs> no, she does. She catches. She catches impressive fish. That's I've got why a, I want to book you. I've, I've got to brag on her. She catches some impressive fish, and 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 I know we talked about this before. I you know I play with uh, freshwater. It, yeah, I, there was a period of time when I was growing up. It was all saltwater. That's how I got my hook. But then growing up, I fished this one canal to remain nameless in North Miami because I still now start sneaking <laughs> back in. It's a good canal to fish. And I would, <laughs> I would fish for bass, and then I would love it. And then, of course, I go back to the saltwater roots. But there's a part of me that still loves that freshwater fishing because, you know, you did that as a youth. And so you're, you're out there in, like, freshwater. You know, even saltwater, you have your benchmarks, what kind of fish you want to catch, how big you want to catch it. Then there's a freshwater, and there's only one benchmark, in my opinion, that really makes a difference in freshwater is you get a seven, eight, nine, ten pound bass. That's that's what I always tried for. But but again, I, I never fished it as You tried for that one too? I, I did. <laughs> my two biggest, I got a six and a half and I've got a seven. And then Debbie Hanson sends me this picture of this thing, of this bass, and she could tell you how big it was. 
my reaction when I responded to her said, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> How big, what was that big bass you caught? Um, I got a 10 pound, six ounce bass I on Lake Ixtapoga, but it, that was research. That was research, yeah, research. which that's you can I, appreciate as an outdoor writer. Yeah, that's what I call it when I go uh, I was working, to research and development. I was working. Remember, the IRS is not fond of research <laughs> on your returns. <laughs> well, no, this was. I write yeah. off all my bass pro receipts because research and development. You're know, talking about this is probably not a good thing on a form. <laughs> No, it was, I went up to Lake Ixtapoga. I had been studying the trophy catch program through FWC, mm-hmm. and it's really, to me, fascinating because I do, I'm intrigued by all the science. And what a lot of people don't know about is the Lake Wales Ridge here in Florida, which yeah, to me yeah, is just amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's an amazing geological feature that we have in this state that a lot of people just have zero clue about. And it was... You know, you go back millions of years ago and when the sea levels were, you know, they were going up, like rising and falling. The Lake Wales Ridge was the sand ridge that was created by those changing sea levels. Mm -hmm. And now it is the it was the birthplace back then of unique plant and animal forms. And one of which is our Florida strain largemouth bass. Mm -hmm. So there is actually the Florida Bass Conservation Center, which is in Webster, Florida. It's one of the largest fish hatcheries in the state. They actually have a team of geneticists there that are that are studying preserving the genetic integrity of our Florida strain fish because of the fact that people were bringing in bass from other states and the genetic integrity was becoming diluted. Mm-hmm. So now they really work hard to preserve our Florida strain fish, and it's I mean, people come down from up north all the time, and it drives me nuts because they come out fishing. They're like, oh, I can catch bass up north. I can catch bass up north. I'm like, you Not don't understand. It's a different subspecies. Yeah. It's a different subspecies. It's not as aggressive as the northern strain. It fights differently. It reacts. It's much more sensitive to changes in temperature. So our Florida strain fish, to me, are special. Mm-hmm. And the whole history of the fish, to me, is just intriguing. And if you go to that center part of the state along that ridge, that's some of the best bass fishing territory we have here in our state. And so it's like, man, get out there and experience it. I mean, experience offshore stuff, the inshore stuff, but we've got so many amazing fishing opportunities here in the state to take advantage of. And I think so many people kind of get focused on one thing and maybe that's my detriment. Sometimes I'm kind of like an ADD angler. I'm all Mm -hmm. over the place, but I'm just so, I, I love... Well, you're in the right state for it. Yes. You well, know, thank you. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean we've gotten amazing... I mean, we've to me, you know, connected by water is Florida. That's what we, we always say, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, like all over the world, we're always connected by water because the whole world's connected by water. But really, to me, the innate meaning of the name is Florida because Florida's entirely connected by water. I mean, where else can you bass fish, tarpon fish, snook fish, and billfish all in the same day? You know, in, in, within hours, you know, so it's it's really an incredible um, anomaly, so to speak, uh, of what this beautiful state has to offer. Um, it speaks volumes to how we need to really preserve this uh, from a conservation standpoint and recognize gems of locations like you're saying with the Lake Wales Ridge. And there's one yeah. other point that, and correct me if I'm wrong, on the ridge she's talking about, and I... Is, isn't that the highest point of Florida? It is. So when mm-hmm. all the flooding occurs, if you have property up along that ridge, you're going to have oceanfront here. 
but there but there's a correlation because if you study those lakes too it's where the majority of the trophy fish are it being is. caught no if, if you it. if you go to that trophy catch florida website and you they have a database of all the trophy fish that have been caught over the past i think it's like six seven years and mm-hmm. you'll see correlations between those big fish are always being caught in the same fisheries so anyways yeah. getting back to that big bass it was it was it was genuinely research wow nice I hate so her. when are we going to fish? <laughs> we should go fish this place. Well, like I said, well, yeah, that's we a whole should. other. I can't right. figure that place out. I fished up there. I, I figure it out. It looks like you need a, a guide. Fish. Yes, well, without a doubt, who <laughs> comes a first? She's the one for sure. Right. I know my little canal I grew up on, and that's about it. But you know, and if we're I about take to go. There, we're we're going to do some of your speak, secret park spots, right? With, well, no, that's that's uh, with our next, that's with our next, Yeah, with our next guy here. Okay, well, right? what kind of troubles he causing now? So. um off of this question, there's I, I'm going to say to Brent that I'm going to try to talk George into allowing us to fish his secret peacock bass spots um, offline here. I have secret discuss. peacock bass spots. And this is what we we have to get blindfolded. You oh, said, oh, I know what you are, but that yeah. the canal I grew up in. Yeah, yeah I'm going to definitely blindfold you. So okay, so Brent Meckler, <laughs> a good friend of ours, asked George, "It's the day of a shoot, and your fishing partner bails. You are." Left needing a fill-in. Who do you take and why? Super ego and number one ranked most obnoxious celebrity, Kanye West. Equally annoying and also highly rated on the obnoxious poll, Justin Bieber. <laughs> or your funny, affable, and charming neighbor, Brent. Well, to, to his credit is, and it pains me, to his credit, um, he's got a shot at this one. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and now, to the, the bring you up to speed, you, you know, you have a long history with Brant, and mm-hmm. he is such a nice guy that you, you cannot help but not like him. Right. And his, I think it's his cousin or somebody lives down the street from me, and uh, Brent keeps, like, emailing me, when are you going to take this middle-aged, bald, balding guy fishing? Yeah, right. <laughs> and then he'll post pictures. He's definitely middle-aged and balding. Yes, he I is. Can There's no, no doubt I can confirm yeah. that, too. And he, when it rains... He'll send me, or he'll post these pictures, and he'll email him of, of him catching tarpon on on the locks on the canal, Loxhatchee yeah. Canal. There, mm-hmm. not an, even on the spillway. He, he, you know, these little outlets that come out when when the water's being pushed. The finger canals, yeah. yeah. So, and uh, and he says, yeah, there's good tarpon bite. You put your rain suit on, and I try to get them on live shiners. I'll eat that, but they're hard to get them on artificials. And he sends me all these things. So I nicknamed him. I call him. The Prince of the Locks Canal. Yep, there you it's go. Him. I like it. But uh, I, like, I it. like him. And you, I, you keep putting illustrations in my head that I. And going back with him, we go way back to when we used to do the Bimini fishing extravaganzas. That's where I think I first met him. And I can't remember whether when, when I had moved up here to Parkland or whether I was still in North Miami. I, 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 I'm sure I was up in here, but that's where I met him. And he would tell me he was in Coral Springs next door. And mm-hmm. we would chat. And, and the unfortunate part, we got to make it happen one day, just that we get so crazy busy, is he keeps wanting me to take him fishing. And I want to do that. And so one, one day when I get a break, he's going to get a surprise phone call. And I'm saying, jump on board. You know, we'll, we'll take cool. you out, and we'll leave Justin Bieber and whoever the other guy was awesome. out. I can I can dress like Justin Bieber that day too if you want to take me too. That's all good. So all right, uh, uh, thank you very much. So our next question comes from uh, John Los, who's a friend of the studio here, um, very prominent member of the Broward County community. Uh, he was actually on as a guest yesterday to talk about a lot of the things that they were doing for clean water, a lot of the innovations that his company is doing for the Fort Lauderdale cleanup, and 
um, some of the technology inventions that they've been made, making and headway they've been making to um, enhance all of the state and even beyond with some of the technologies that they've been inventing to clean up our waterways. Mm-hmm. So it, we really kind of, it was really good episode yesterday regarding that. He asks, um, and this is a loaded question here. So, hey, George, can you tell us some of the great things that CCA has been doing during COVID to make up for the missed banquets? And also, how do you feel about the oyster projects? It seems it's starting to show promise. Um, and also says, Debbie, do you get involved with the CCA on the West Coast? So it's kind of a loaded question. Okay, well, a loaded question. CCA, with their big banquets, they had some huge ones, especially on the West Coast, where they would get, like, I think the Bradenton area would get the biggest. I think they get, like, 900 people. Mm-hmm. And because of COVID, everything else, they're trying to do what they could do, try to go virtual and, and you know, trying to hang in there the best they could. So you can't fault them on that or they're a victim of what's going on mm-hmm. out there. And the next part of the question was how the oyster project's doing. I am not familiar with that because in our area, that's not, a lot of that's not going on. So mm-hmm. I do not know what is happening. I think Mike Lambrook's introduced a new program that, that's been kind of really if, showing up some some on the little oyster donuts. Okay, if you look at it at face value, oysters – big filter feeders, mm-hmm. if they could adapt them and then put them out in intercoastal waterways or wherever, and they could adapt to this environment that they're in, I think it would be a boom because they, they filter feed the water. Mm-hmm. And over time, if they could take, I think it would help purify the water. But see, beyond that, see, and, and now it would definitely load a question. So you got me on this one now. Now you get me a little bit aggravated because water quality is such a, a, a mm-hmm. soft spot with me. We're in a state where our tourism depends on clean water, and we have a government in there that that pretends to be the big clean water people, mm-hmm. totally neglect. Where all the Fort Lauderdale sewage spills? Where was the governor? Did he make any special trips down here to see what was going on? Biscayne Bay, Miami, the big sewage spills, and how about that time a few months ago when all these fish were dying from all the bad runoff? And it, mm-hmm. where is the attention? Especially Biscayne Bay, not that any one part of the state's water is more important than the other, but where is the importance on a beautiful area like Biscayne Bay? And these fish are dying. Yeah. You know, you got to remember. I think there are things that Governor DeSantis is doing at the moment. Um, I, I can't confirm exactly what they are, but um, some of the people that I've been talking to have alluded that he is taking action and has allotted more funding um, recently. Where that funding goes and how it's being utilized, I can't speak for that right now. But I think they are um, with with Congress and MAST mm-hmm. as well, trying to, you, know, you might have different intel and knowledge than I do on the matter, um, but I have recently heard that they're going to help start making, and I know that the city of Fort Lauderdale uh, was struck with a major fine over a lot of the incidents that happened um, through this, through the through the state, um, did like a multi-million dollar fine for the neglect of, of the different things that they did. But you know, that doesn't I, help. I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's enough. You know what I mean? It's, it's not it, enough. You know, so, yeah, There's so. a lot of companies that have paid upon it. You know, it, it's the price of doing business. And I'm not getting in, I'm not making a political statement at all. Sure. I don't care whether you're a Democrat or you're a Republican or you're an independent. I'm talking about the issue that's facing yeah, us. Yeah, no, we, we've it. discussed that yeah. before, how we, we don't and, really go there. And, but. and I cannot believe, you look at the area up at Stewart, up in those, at Fort Pierce to Stewart, if you wanted to catch a big gator trout, that was the place. You could go over there, and you had some pretty good odds at the right time of the year to, to snag a trout that might push double digits. Mm-hmm. And because of the runoffs and everything, so much of it is just mud now. You go to where I grew up fishing, North Biscayne Bay. Growing up, we had beautiful grasses in there. 
I know that's back in the era of Ten Commandments, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but carbon fiber Ten Commandments. <laughs> you go back there now, and in the flats in North Biscayne Bay, most of them are just mud, mm-hmm. and all this is from the runoff from the fertilizers, with all the dams opening, and and what gets me, and I get so upset. I, I, it's like where, where we live, and the, you have the lakes and the communities and, bis, and the canals that we fish. They come by and they start spraying the stuff on the weeds. Yeah. What is that stuff? I mean, what does it do? And I know that when they open the dams and all this comes into the bays and intercoastal, all that gets pumped out to the reefs, that's killing our reefs. Mm-hmm. The same poison that is killing the weeds and everything is killing the grasses. That dirty water gets out to the reefs. We have a serious, serious Big water time. issue here. We and, had and yesterday, what is being done? We had yesterday um, with the John Lewis, um, Seton, Miles Foreman, and, and there was Dr. Charlie Gregory was was in with us too, and he's a marine biologist and you know a fish veterinarian. You know he's traveled all over the world. You know multiple degrees on the matter, um, and he's a proponent of this. And what was the name of that Sango bacteria or cyanobacteria? Yeah. So that's what forms when all the the chemicals and the runoffs. You know from all the fertilizer and stuff happens and mixes with the water. Um, you get that blue-green algae. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's, even, it's, it even, mm-hmm. it's even, like, you know, beyond that, like, so it almost morphs into, like, this new type of algae and this new type of bloom mm-hmm. uh, when all these chemicals, like, start mixing together. Uh, when it, a lot of it has to do with waste, like, you know, fecal matter, for, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, Um and the combination with all these chemicals, and it becomes this new thing. And that's really the problem of what happened to Biscayne Bay. That's what happened in Fort Lauderdale. Because we had sewer outbreaks. And it's ongoing. And it's ongoing. There's no doubt about it. And something definitely needs to be done. Now, the solutions that our guests had yesterday were great, but they were only good for actually cleaning up the mess. You can't. The whole you, thing you is that we need to come to up source. with a program that maintains and sustains the clean okay. water. Once it's clean, we're at the point where it needs to be cleaned. Oh, you, you, it needs to be clean. Needs to be straight up clean. Now, right now we're at ninety-seven percent capacity. Right now, like less than five percent of our water is. And, like, and it diverts you, know. you a little bit because we could spend five years talking about this subject. But you know, and you might think I'm a little bit crazy on this, but you take, and I say this because I remember growing up, and you come back from school, and then your your parents or your mom or whoever would drop you off at the little canal, and you'd fish till dinner time, and you walk three blocks, go back to your your house. And, and that was like a ritual as it, it is with so many, you know, kids today, you know, elementary school kids, junior high school kids or what have you is they fish these local waterways. They don't have boats, but yet they could go and they could fish the canal banks, go for the snake's head, the peacock bass. You see that all on social media. Yep. So why, and maybe it's impossible to do, but I don't think there's nothing that's, that's impossible. Why like Broward County, for example, commissioners, whoever it is say, you know what? our local canals and and these lakes over here, we should have some kind of either filtration system or come up with something that helps clean this water. Mm -hmm. So it gives all these kids coming out of school an opportunity to experience fishing at a very inexpensive level. They could get together with their friends. Hey, let's go over. We, you know, Charlie got a big peacock bass at this one spot. Let's try this. And by making sure that we have such clean waters in, in our local freshwater lakes and these canals, that are polluted, some mm-hmm. kind of system I, I, I has to be out there to develop it. Encourage more kids to fish, which bodes our sport well, and plus gives these kids something to focus on. And then, you know, as we all know in here, once you get focused on fishing, there's really nothing else. So yeah, you have right. no other <laughs> alternatives to deviate. Yep, 
Yeah, absolutely. It warms my heart when I see those those kids with their it's backpacks perfect. on this walking the banks. I mean, it really does. Oh, that, for I mean, sure. So give them the clean water. Definitely. They're just hunting for a. A, a good fish, man. Sure. They, that's really all they, they want. And they get one good one, and they'll be we, totally happy for the rest so of the day. So much ride on this stuff. I tried to get um, Mayor Scott Brook in here, and he canceled the first time, then rescheduled, and then they canceled and never, like, rescheduled. I wanted to bring all that up to him and to see if Coral Springs, because— I might have a connection for you in Coral Springs if you're still interested on yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, okay. we, I mean, Coral Springs, we're, we're in a very unique— park No on, doubt. Park on the same, a very unique area when it comes to that kind of fishing, yes. and, and it's a very good— it is. You know, just walking very, the very banks good. and fishing the golf courses, and you get a sneak on a golf course to do that. But I used to still. do. I used to do Miami Shores golf course back there and sneaking at night for snook because they're all in there, and yep. you know. And then you see the blue lights on, you'd run. <laughs> the second half of that question was for you about CCA in the West Coast, or, or you know, and I would just open that up to any other um, coastal clean water initiatives. And how do you get involved in that level over there? Yeah, I became a CCA member this past year, and I was all signed up and ready to go to the banquet when the yeah. Rona came yeah, down. Rona. So I didn't end up going because I was concerned with you know having a mom that is she has a challenged immune system in case I needed to go up there. I was really concerned about being around that many people. So I didn't get a chance to go to the banquet, but I did buy a ticket. And mm-hmm. um, obviously that became a, you know, it's a donation. So, yeah, and I hope to get more involved as the years go on. Obviously mm-hmm. on our coast, we also, Captains for Clean Water is also yep. a very active organization. organization. Yep. And they've done a lot <laughs> in terms of helping create awareness and just making it easier for those of us who feel passionate about the Everglades and the releases that they're doing mm-hmm. out of the Caloosahatchee River. Um, you know, I mean, we're still, we're still rebounding this year. The fishing is probably the best that it's been in a long time, but we're still rebounding after that red tide event that we had. So it's, uh, it was the right thing for them to do to shut down our big three inshore species without a question. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people were very upset that it was extended, but, um, to be honest, in my personal opinion, I wouldn't be hurt if they extended it for another year because we're still not seeing, yep. we're just now in a sterile bay where I fish starting to see some smaller sea trout, mm-hmm. but you know, seagrass again, like George was saying, even a sterile bay where we're at, we really, we used to have beautiful seagrass beds. We don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no turtle grass really to speak of at all. And, and now we are starting to see the trout, but they're still small. So my concern is we open that up May, 2021 and then people are going to be out there and they're going to be taking all those trout and they really never had a chance to, to, you know, grow bigger and mature. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And we're kind of, hopefully, you know, we'd be losing a lot of breeder fish at that point, which would be unfortunate. Which is extremely important. Extremely important. I mean, it's not just, you know, Hey, we want the fish to get bigger and we want there to be more of them. We need to keep those breeding fish populations healthy too. That's a big part of it. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you brought up Captains for Clean Water. I mean, that's, that's a very important organization as well, and they do a lot of good positive work. Um, I also want to kind of add in about the CCA, at least some from the East Coast. There's been a small group that has been kind of like, you know, criticizing the CCA for some of the things that they feel they need to be doing. Um, and I just want to add this is that, listen, a lot of these clean water initiatives aren't on the CCA to fix. That's correct. Um, that's not their responsibility. You know, their role and their role always has been healthy fisheries right now. The clean water is a yep. part of that and, and, and cleaning up the water. It's not their responsibility to clean up the water. Right. And I've got that's a not what, that's for that not too. what the organization <laughs> I, is I know about. Where, where I know where this is sort of like going here. 
It's got captains for clean water, which are it's a phenomenal organization. Somebody, everybody should support that thing. Very, very good for a clean water. Now, people say, why doesn't CCA get behind the clean water deal? Okay, you got to understand is that certain groups do certain things better. Right. CCA is for our fisheries, trying to make sure that we have sensible bag limits and try to keep our game fish stocks at sustainable levels for future generations to enjoy. <clears throat> they're not really, of course, they're for clean water, but they're not in that dogfight. Mm-hmm. Captains for clean water, they're in that dogfight, but captains for clean water are not in the same fight CCA is to try to protect their resources. That's right. not forefront, even though they like that. So what I tell people, and I get questioned this a, a bit, I said, you're, you're betting on a horse race. Mm-hmm. Whether you've got 8, 12, I don't know how many horses you start in the gate. <clears throat> but you bet on three horses that you support. And you hope one of them makes it to the finish line to be an advantage to your cause. And uh, the one thing, and I'm, I serve as the offshore fishing spokesperson for CCA of Florida. And the one criticism that I would have, and I've told them this, and we got to get some movement, and we just don't get it over here, is when you see CCA of Florida, people think redfish, sea trout, snook, tarpon. And the fact is that 60% of what CCA Florida does is related to our fisheries as far as the reef, the wrecks, and the offshore. But they have a very poor marketing angle on that. And they wonder, why does Bradenton... That chapter over there get 900 to maybe 1,000 people at the annual banquet. Fort Lauderdale gets 200 people. Fort Lauderdale, the population that we have, yeah. mm-hmm. should blow them out of the water. Well, how the many problem people is, do we have? Three million, three and a half million yeah, people in Broward but, County? But something their, like their that. message is out where people over here, we're mainly reef offshore because mm-hmm. we're so close. So people are CCA. I don't fish for reds. There's no redfish right. very rarely in their coastal. All right, occasionally I'll fish for snook. It's no big deal. I'm a grouper, snapper, kingfish, sailfish, wahoo dolphin swordfish person so this whole section of south florida palm beach down through miami dade they're missing a huge mark even though they're doing 60 percent fighting for right us they have a poor marketing job on that i'm glad you brought that up too because i mean so much of this hap you know is about outreach mm-hmm. and you know the community involvement and so i i really want to kind of wave our flag for broward even dade yeah sure beach, and just say hey Get We're more huge. involved. Get more involved. It's a great organization. You but got they Mike. Don't know. Mike does a great job. Hey, Mike's a good guy. Mike he does, does a, a great job out there. And so I think that they're going to find that when they do come over to CCA Broward, they're going to come over to a great organization, and that that's ready for you. Yeah, but they need. CCA itself has to get the word out and put no, a I major agree. marketing no, scheme that what yeah. we're doing for offshore fish, mm-hmm. what are we doing to prevent them from closing certain sections of our reefs out here? Mm-hmm. What are we doing, you know, you know, hit home with the reef and the offshore people here. Right now, everybody thinks from the, the surface, there's snook, redfish, trout, and we don't fish for that. Right. Yep. I know they just did the, the big artery, <laughs> artificial reef thing off sure. here, and you don't really see anything on that. People don't know. Very poor marketing on our side yeah. here, and that's one of my biggest complaints, and I tell them all the time, it, it, I don't know, just slow to get that, that moving or even off the ground. All right. Well, really, really great answers to those questions, you know. So thank you, John. And um, I know we 
sometimes spin off and forget we're actually in our strange questions um, category. So let's get real strange on this one, okay? And, uh, and why, 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 why are you looking at me? Yeah, we're, we're, well, we're, I'm actually going to look at her, good, and then, then I'm going oh, to look, look at you. Then I'm going to look at you. We got um, a question from uh, our good friend Justin Broderick. Oh, no. Okay. Right? Yeah, sure. Um, who happens to be filming behind me, and he wants to know, <laughs> he wants to know, who is She Fishes One? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there is no She Fishes One. There is only She Fishes Two. That's it. At She Fishes Two. Right, that, that's Justin's, uh, Justin's little... Uh, little dig there. I thought that was kind of funny. He, missed, he wanted me to ask that. And, and it's a number two. And it's the number yeah. two. Okay, so well, well, yeah. Okay. yeah. I got to give Justin credit. Why the number two? Well, it's there was actually, I was looking to trademark the, the logo mm -hmm. and there was somebody else that was using T-O-O, -O, but I wanted my whole concept behind she fishes too was there's a lot of women out there that are moms that are students that are, you know, they're, they're multitasking, but they fish too. So they've mm -hmm. got all these things going on in their life, but they still make time for fishing. Gotcha. So I wanted it to apply to all those women out there who were just being total powerhouse dynamos at home, but still making time to get out on the water. And T-O-O, nice. -O, she fishes too, was already taken. So it became the number two. Okay. And, it fit, and it fit, and it fit better. It I fit better in my cooler. my logo. The two is in the tail of the fish, and it just fit better than you know yep. three letters. It, it works. Yeah, but you got your answer. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> so all right, and then the second one from Justin, George. Your last name translates to poor man in Italian. Okay. I'm just going to. I'm just going to. I'm going to tell you a weird story. I'm but just go going ahead, to assume that that's the truth. Um, and he wants to know: Is this just a way of hiding from the IRS? <laughs> if it were the latter, boy, I'd be selling a book on that and really make some money. Uh, it's funny because the name is Italian, and I had known this for a while. Somebody said, "When you translate that, povero means poor man," and this is the is that true? Yes. Now, this is the honest to God's truth. Growing up, on and I'll, I, I don't know why I still remember my address, 1365 Northwest 91st Street in Miami. So we need to make that place into a museum now. I don't know about <laughs> that, but <laughs> our next-door neighbors who just happen, you know, happen to be our next-door neighbors, uh, their last name was uh, Bonomo. It was Joe Bonomo. And when you translated Bonomo... That was rich man. No. I swear. I'm not kidding. Oh may, may that roof fall down on me and not you. Your next neighbor? Time if I'm lying. Your the neighbor? neighbor to, you know, back then, in the, you know. Was you it your next door neighbor? Next door neighbor. Right next door. Rich man, poor man? Yes. You're kidding I'm me. Right next door to each you. other. It was Joe Bonomo, B-O-N-O-M-O, -O, which means, uh, you know, rich man. And the funny thing is. My dad was a dentist, so he was really the rich man in the neighborhood. <laughs> it was like opposite thing. <laughs> you look at him and you're like, we really know what's going on here, don't we? I mean, but that's how I mean, I've known this growing up. And But how ironic was that when I was such a you know, young kid and, and, and your neighbors, and you know how it was back then, your neighbors were all your friends for pretty much for life. And, you yep. know, and they were like almost like relatives, which they weren't relatives, but you had. Poveromo here, and you have Bonomo here. 
that's that's sort of weird, but but it's the truth. That's strange. Oh, that is strange. It is strange. <laughs> For Holy every strange moly. question, it George is. has a weird answer. I might have to give Justin a shirt today. <laughs> I'm telling you. And, and no, seriously, I, I'm surprised he did that much even research. Wow. And people ask me, he says, well, I get, I, I get that from time to time. It's Poverum. What kind of name? Is that a Greek? Is it Greek? No. It's Italian origin. I said, except for St. Patty's Day. Like Fragile. I take the O off the end <laughs> of uh, Poveromo and I put it up front. So it's O Poverome on St. Patty's Day, and I could drink for half price. You know, my like when it. I move the O up front. I like but it. But then for the other 364 <laughs> days of the year, I put the O back where it belongs. <laughs> As an Irishman, I approve. I'm actually <laughs> half Irish, half Italian. Same here. So I'm half I, Irish yeah, too. Yeah, that means that yeah, I can. I have the innate ability to sell to tell someone to go to hell to the point that where hey, they would look forward to, to the trip. I'm half Irish too, and I can recognize that you are by the way you're drinking that rum. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, we got one last question, and I'm going to go to my phone because he texted it in. It's from our good friend Captain Ben Sharp. Oh, good Ben, I love the guy. And um, he says. Who or what has made you the most upset on the water, and what did you do? Who are you now, talking we, to now? To you, to well, to both of you. Oh, okay. I'm I'm gonna, gonna, I want to get both of your answers. That go ahead, Debbie. So who, right, let me reread that so you guys have that fresh in your noggins. There. Who or what has made you the most upset on the water, and what did you do? Take that for take that however you want. It seems a little broad, but yeah. <clears throat> wow, I have to think about that for a minute. There's been a few times actually. Am I am I allowed to say that it might be with my husband? <laughs> I promote that. Welcome yes. to the virgin of divorce court. Because, because, Bring the noise. Because let me tell you, having two captains who think they know what they're doing on the same boat at the same time never really works. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and I've Too just cooks in the kitchen. And I've just learned that it's just better. That's why it was like, nope, just got to get my own boat. Just got to do my own thing. Just got to have my own business. I mean, Greg is phenomenal at what he does, mm-hmm. but we it's just now the unspoken rule because I've been told to do things. And and Greg ran a restaurant for many years, so he he likes to be very he likes to dish out orders, let's just say. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of uh, mansplaining and there's a lot no, of ordering around. Yeah. And when you've been running your own business for a certain amount of time yourself, it doesn't fly. I so yeah, there've been a few, there's been a few, there's mm-hmm. been a few tensions. Yep. So it's just better that we don't you know what my fish least, together. You know what my least favorite line that I hear in the studio is, you know what you need to do? I hate when people say that. To me. Yeah, you know I'm what like, you need to do. Yeah, you know what you need to do. Yeah. What do tell me? What do I need to yeah, do? Yeah, exactly. Let me know. let me know what that is. Let me know. Yeah, George. <laughs> okay, it, it's when you're fishing, and there's not any one said incident, but it happens uh, fairly often. Say we're doing a TV show, and we're anchored up or on a spot, and all of a sudden another boat coming by they recognize as soon as they think they see mark six they're on the fish so they come over to you you're like a freaking magnet mm-hmm. and i hate when they come right over and they they try to drive by it first and they come back and they drive by off your bow what they're doing is trying to pirate those gps numbers where you're bottom fishing but and i i guess the worst that it happened and it happened a number of times but the worst that it happened we were fishing off of a marathon a number of years ago catching blackman tune on a hump we had our camera boat and i'm here 
and, and we're fighting. We had big black fins. We got them like three into thirty pound class. So each one on twenty pound test tackles taken a uh, half hour to beat. And we're fighting, and the camera boat is ten feet away. Camera guys in the bow shooting. And all of a sudden, I see a 23-foot Mako started coming in and coming in and coming in. Sprint? And, and, no, it wasn't even Sprint. He didn't own a Mako. <laughs> if, if, if he was out there, he would have been. And they come eight feet away. And, I, you know, you have to be diplomatic. You know what you really want to tell them yeah. and what you tell them are two different things. So, you know, last thing you want to do is be on so social you say, media. You know what you need to do? You don't want to, see, you don't want to be seen on social media yeah. wishing them a Merry Christmas yeah. or something like that. So, hey, we're trying to do a show. Please back off. And they, you know, oh, we, we've got to make go too. I could see that. Your bowels <laughs> in the back of my boat. Move off. And, but the one that really irked me, and, and and I had a conversation with the owner of this sport fishing group. We were out of um, uh, Cudjo, and you'll see the show coming up this January, part of our new season. But, mm-hmm. of course, I didn't mention in there, we go to a wreck. We run off to this wreck. New season on the Discovery Channel. That's right correct. Now, right? So we'll just let throw that out there. Thank you. Yep. So we get anchored on the wreck, and our camera boat's anchored next to us, and we start fishing. Here comes another boat. Come and come and come. And I'm not going to tell you the name of the group that that was with, but they do have four or five boats. And all of a sudden we're fishing and it's, I'm on the bow working a, 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 a jig and this boat starts coming all the way to my bow. And I'm saying, what is this guy doing? And it pulls it. I'm not kidding you. Within 10 feet, might be eight feet till finally I had to be diplomatic. And I said, are you bringing me a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> and he's just looking, I'm hungry. The guy in the bow, and I looked at the captain, and so he backed up, and he goes right by the camera, and they start fishing right where we're at. What? Oh, my god! No, this, is, this was bad. This is a major. Oh, my gosh. And I, I want to say this. Party foul. It's a first-class <laughs> wow. charter operation. It's not a, it, it's a, which, hmm. which, which got me upset. It was a first-class charter operation. And all of a sudden, they're fishing right by us, this and that. And and the best thing that happened, happened. As they're coming within eight feet over here, we hook up and we we, we boat this 25-pound cobia right in front of them. <laughs> and they're great. sitting over there, anchored, and they're not anchored, but just mowing around. For, it took about 40 minutes before they finally left. And I, th- I knew the I know the person who owns that group. And so I said, when I get back, I'm calling him directly. Mm-hmm. As soon as I got back to the dock, we had a good day, by the way. I called him back at the dock. I refrained from having a Papa's Pilar first. I didn't want to say anything. I don't want to be held accountable for it. So. <laughs> and I got him on the phone. And I said, and he goes, hey, are you in town filming? I said, well, you are. But I said, look, I even hate to call you. And I said, the only reason I'm calling you is because you run a first-class operation. You have a very good reputation down here. But I said, I had a problem with one of your guys today. What, 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 what happened? Who, who? And I told him what happened. Who was running the boat? I said, it was this long-haired guy that had hair down past his shoulders. He looked like the league guitarist for Leonard Skinner. Oh, my God, it's my son. It's all wonderful. Oh, wow. And, and, and so but I said, he said, I'm going to jump all over it. Don't, don't jump on him. You know, look, all he needs is a slight tune-up. you got to explain to him what courtesy is when you get to these wrecks. He's the best, this. isn't he? And, and he said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ream him. I, I said, don't. Just don't. He, you know, okay, that, that's going to get you nowhere. Sit him down give him a tune-up. So he knows better the next time when he comes out here. So that got, I was very, very aggravated at that point in time. And um, so, um, 
you know, yeah, compliment it, myself that I didn't say things that yeah, I would have it's, yeah. well, it's not good when you receive a phone call from the ambassador of ambassadors. Well, no, just, you, you know, you, and, it's a first know. class. If it was a shady operation, you could understand it. But this guy runs a very first class operation. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, we were doing a show this past season. My buddy Carl, we're fishing at a blackfin tuna on the hump. And here comes this boat. It's the same boat. And but but it was the owner running the boat. Yeah. He pulls George, George. He comes out of the boat. He has a sandwich. <laughs> no, no. He has Does a he sandwich really? for me. Oh, that's hilarious. He has a sandwich. I was joking. Did he really? <laughs> yeah, I swear to God. And we're <laughs> laughing. I said, you know, you're such a cheap guy. I said, Where's the Papa's Plur rumor that sandwich? Yeah. I want the sandwich. <laughs> but he came up and you know, all, all life is good at that point. So, you know, it just oh, some goodness. people just do stupid things. Was it at least the spot is? I don't know. <laughs> So, all right, oh so that, those are our questions. <laughs> Ooh, There's some good ones in there. Yeah, made it through them. Yeah. So um, that was Ben's last one. Um, yeah, we got our, our good buddy behind us with the uh, the funny ones with the IRS yep, and the she fishes and uh, you know John and Brent and you know Liz is ineligible for a free shirt, so she can't <laughs> win. Uh, <laughs> um, and then Jerry. So you guys got to pick a winner there. Oh, I, you do it, Debbie. I'm not going to get involved. I don't want to make enemies. Oh, great. <laughs> Thank but, you. But, but Thank why is she thinking, Dennis? Thanks for putting that one off on me, George. Why is she thinking? <laughs> yeah. Can I have another cookie? Yeah. Because I heard it said it's not, it's not good to a drink on an empty stomach. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I'll take another I think two. this needs to be a vote. I think it needs to be a vote, and there needs to be two involved no, here. No, yeah. Oh, great. You're putting it all off all on right. me. Well, good grief. I, you know, in all fairness, Justin gets whatever he wants from the studio whenever he wants. So, that, that's, you know, so maybe we'll just say that... Uh, and you know, all these guys do. So anyway, we'll just we'll say Brent's the winner. We needed to throw a bone to Brent. All right, throw there you right. go. Right, so I'm on board with that. Right, so Brent, you're the winner. I'm on board with that. Of the free connected by water <laughs> shirt. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. So, I'm excited about my stickers. Thanks for those. Yeah, well, you, you're going to get plenty. Trust me. So listen, and you're welcome. <laughs> um, but before you jump in the next time, I got a question for you. you know, you're always asking these crazy this questions. Is where, this is where I go. <laughs> but I, I, I did have a question my, for you. I saw crawling in my hermit crab shell. <laughs> All right. I saw somewhere in your bio, did you work for the U.S. Mint? I do work for the United States Mint. You still do or did? I still do. And what do you do for them, if you don't mind me asking? I am one of 27 artists in the country that are responsible for designing the coins in your pocket. Well, another question for you, which we're and, and also Congressional Medal of Honors, Presidential Medal. That's, that's, that's like amazing. Wow. Second question, which relates to that. Um, it, could you come over around 9 o'clock tonight help me to design some dollar bills? We print them I, off? You know what? I cannot. I cannot. Do you know why? Because I don't deal with paper. I just deal with coinage. Oh, well, what, do you got any coin machines? Let's, let's <laughs> no, do something. No, no. I don't. I don't. You know, in, in fact, in fact, I can say they work. How did you get hooked up with that? My wife, she saw, uh, she's always on the hunt for national calls and different opportunities and different things. Cause my wife's an artist as well. Um, and she, she go looked at this, she goes, this is perfect for you. And with the way they kind of laid out what they're looking for, they're looking for, um, you know, uh, an accomplished illustrator. And that also knows master level Photoshop. Um, and Adobe illustrator, like creative suite stuff. So we kind of hybrid over here at the studio. Cause you know, Although we do the fine art, we also come over with all the apparel sure. design. And so, I mean, we have extensive years of, you know, experience, you know, and, um, you know, the, the resume indicates it that, that highly qualified for this position. Um, and I applied and I just applied. 
right? And I didn't hear anything for, I don't know, six months, whatever. And I completely forgot about it, to be honest with you. And I get an email like, hey, you qualified for the next round. Cool. This is what you need to do. And I don't know if I'm really privy on saying what I needed to do, but we had to design a certain thing. Yeah. Um, oh, I guess almost as a test. And um, I sent it off and I forgot about it. And a couple months later, you know, I get another email. You've qualified for mm -hmm. the next step. Okay. Awesome. This is what you need to do. The way I did that. It's another design thing, right? Or you're working on actual things. And I did that. And I remember we were, Liz's parents live in New Jersey. So we were up there for, uh, I think it was, uh, maybe it was a summer break. And I woke up, I'm always the first one up in the house. Maybe it's the fisherman mentality that you just wake up, right? And um, I just, you know, everyone's sleeping. I'm just, you know, drinking my coffee and look at the phone. And pardon my French, but this was the true words. I saw the email and I said, no shit. Congratulations, you've been accepted as an artist for the United States. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. That's and, amazing. And, and and we've been doing it for about a year and a half, maybe. What a badge of honor, huh? Yeah. And uh, it, it really is one of the true honors of my life to be an artist for the United so States. So which Spirit. coins have you, can you say which coins you've worked on? I'm You're not able to say now, that? Yeah, working for the government, it's very... Yeah, hush, hush. Tight lip. I get and, it. You know, you sign your life away. If it's um, a quarter, could rightfully you, so. If it's <laughs> a quarter, could you autograph one for me? You know what? I can't. I cannot. That, that is part of the thing. It's like I'm not allowed to do things like that. But um, I heard there's a coin shortage. Actually, right I now. might. I might be able to do. I might be able to do <laughs> it. I have to check the things. I might be able to do it and not charge you. Like, I might be able to do it like that. You know, that, that I think that's part of. The, I don't know there's a bunch I'll, of things. I'll give it I a say. quarter. Yeah, there's a bunch of things I you know sign away. But I can, I got to tell you, it is one of truly one of the. It's amazing. It really is. I saw that and I said, wow, I need to ask him about yeah, this. That is kind, so cool. It's Dennis. the kind of thing that they're probably going to mention in my eulogy. You know? <laughs> it, so, I mean, it's, it's really, you know, and, and I got to also say, like, working with um, the United States government is not as bad as people may think. I mean, working with the Mint team especially has been nothing but a joy. Like, they're just true professionals and just the greatest people. Um, they truly respect all the artists in the program, and it, it has really been that's awesome. Uh, one of the most beautiful experiences in my artistic career. Beautiful. Like, for sure. Well, congratulations. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's for yeah, sure. yeah, we are working on real projects. On I mean, I'm not allowed so to really exciting. talk sure. about, like, what happens there. Um, and rightfully so. You know, there's, there's a lot of moving parts to that. Yep. You know, so, you know, I'm just a designer. You know, there's also, you know, people that are responsible. There's sculptors that actually sculpt the molds and get all the different things done. So I'm just one cog in the wheel. You know, I will say that, but it, it really is truly an honor to, to, to have that responsibility. And, you know, yeah, thank you for asking that. No, I, not, I saw that. It's a like, lot of people forget that I'm actually an artist for the Mint. So, no, that's yeah. a, which is amazing. Yeah, thank totally you. Amazed by thank that. you very much. And you stumped me <laughs> on, on that one a little bit. But I do want to kind of pass over and just say, um, you know, not only do we have our own show here, um, connected by water and where we got fancy microphones in front of our faces and all that good stuff. Um, but you're no stranger to this mm -hmm. and you have your own show. Um, right. And, uh, the ESPN radio on um, Saturday mornings in the Southwest Florida market on ESPN. Mm -hmm. It's real talk radio. I, I just took it over from the previous host, captain Rob Modis, who had been hosting it for 10 years 
So I just took it over. That was actually the first week of February mm-hmm. of 2020. And then I was hosting oh, the show. Wow. Well, so here's what happened with that. George got a few Damn calls. <laughs> yeah. So, so in mid-March, all of a sudden, Beasley Broadcasting says, well, I know the format of the show is you normally have a guest in the studio with you and there's conversation, but you cannot have anyone in the studio with you as of ESPN's mandating now. this? This was through Beasley Broadcasting. Beasley Broadcasting, okay. Correct. You may have said that. I probably that played so, so for the next, I want to say three months, 90 days, until I think we went into phase, phase two or three, mm-hmm. I was, it was three hours of <laughs> <laughs> me just really hoping that all the local captains and, and a lot of, you know, people in the fishing industry would call in with support and with fishing reports and Mm -hmm. to offer some, you know, fishing tips and words of wisdom of which George called in. And, um, so, so it was, it was awesome. It was actually, you know, in hindsight at the time, it was one of those, Oh shit moments. (laughs) (laughs) But, but in hindsight, it was probably the best thing that could have ever happened because now three hours on air and, and now they've allowed me to have one person back in the studio previously, Rob used to have two people in the studio with mm-hmm. him just to make sure the conversation went kind of like we're doing today. But mm-hmm. um, I do like the the dynamic of having, having multiple three people, like yeah. even four. We have a we have another mic too that we can load up to. I like that. It really makes I like the roundtable mm-hmm. aspect of it. I yeah. mean, I have no problem with the one on ones. You know, I really don't. But I like the roundtable. It's more fun for me. It's yeah, more, it you, is. You're hanging out, and we break out the rum, and we have a good time. <laughs> you know, so we yeah. don't have that on yeah. Saturday morning. So. We don't have that. <laughs> but but it's you know the other thing is is like I said, we've got a lot of folks calling in, giving reports from you know really all over the state, and I'm hoping to kind of expand on that. We've started to get more into the freshwater and. And, you know, really, because I'd like to cover all aspects of fishing, you know, primarily mm-hmm. before the show was mainly focused on inshore saltwater. But I think there's, as we were talking about earlier, there's just so many different amazing fisheries that we have in our state that people aren't aware of that don't have they don't have exposure to that mm-hmm. we should be getting, you know, some coverage from other parts of the state. And Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I have to say, I mean, I, I mean, I've listened to the show and you. It's it's phenomenal. First yep. of all, she does a super yeah. job with it. Really does. And every, everyone who's um, got any amount of time on their hands should just listen to this. You know, it could, don't it won't be a waste of your time. Oh um, that's gosh. for sure. And um, you know, you do talk a lot about a lot of current events and and different things that are going on in the local area about hey these fish are showing up and you know we got this stuff going on and I was really intrigued by that as especially as a person being over here. Um, listening to, you know, because I do get over there every now and then to try to fish, and sometimes I'll fish with Captain Jeff Page uh, from, yeah, from the yeah. Insider mm-hmm. Fishing Report. He's a good buddy of mine, and, and you know, we'll, we'll get out there and, you know, throw the artificials, and, you know, um, he likes to yell at me, and, well, I thought you were a gunslinger. <laughs> I guess not. You know, the, you, you, hey, you know, I'm married to the studio, but, yeah, sorry, I don't catch redfish as good as you. But um, anyway, yeah, so, you know, you, I, I like hearing about all that, you know, too, even though I'm over here and, you know, but it, it's good. It's, it seems very informative, you know, and you do a great job delivering the whole process. So, um, yeah. So if anyone gets the opportunity, it's how do they find it online? It's 99. Well, you can go to 
uh, mm-hmm. ESPN.com. So mm-hmm. people can listen from anywhere. They can stream it through the 99.3 ESPN app. Yeah. They can listen online or obviously if they live in Southwest Florida, it's just 99.3 FM. Yeah. You like being so, on, you like doing that? I, you know, I, I love it. Like I said, it I was, think she does. it was, yeah. tri- because it was she's good at it. It yeah, was, tri- at it, it yeah. was trial by fire initially for sure. But I, I, I just, Love the camaraderie that's developed. You know, there's a couple other show on the shows on the ESPN network, and you know, there's a golf show on Sundays. And now we've kind of started going back and forth with the golf guys about like we're going to do a bass fishing slash golf tournament on all these golf course ponds. And you know, I mean, it's just yeah. the camaraderie that Beasley I think has has built amongst you know all of us that have been on the on the airwaves over the past couple of months. I, you know, I think a lot of us initially the golf guys were considering taking their show off the air during the pandemic and it's like no we can't do that like yeah, this is yeah. people are looking to get yeah. out there and fish and get outdoors and participate in anything that they can on the water on the golf course so we got to be there for the community and and mm-hmm. uh yeah it's been it's been a, an experience but it's it's been it's been fun and i'm finally starting to feel like i'm sliding into a rhythm with it <laughs> yeah, I'm, i mean i went to art school right so like this Everyone always asks me, like, podcast, really? Like, what? How did you come up, you know? Well, when I was painting, like, long hours, long hours, long hours, it's like, you listen to the same music over and over sometimes. It's like, I just want to hear something different. I'll start throwing on these podcasts while I'm painting. Listen to them all day long. And I got the notion, like, I want to do one. You know what I mean? Not like, hey, I think this is going to be a great marketing idea or anything. I just want to do one. You know, and so we just really started off cold. I got introduced to John. Uh, from my friend Jimmy Wickett, who runs the Meat Mayhem tournaments, um, just a phenomenal tournament circuit. So anyone um, that is into like meat fishing, um, which you know, kingfish mainly, and, and and they have the Fort Lauderdale Meat Mayhem, it's an excellent, amazing circuit to be involved with. Introduce me to John. Um, say, hey, I know you talked about wanting to do the podcast. You know, you should meet my buddy John. I think you guys could do it together. Um, John has been a godsend um, in bringing it. So we developed this show, and we started cold. Like, I'm like, at first, I'm just bringing on my friends, you know, and say, hey, let's try this thing and everything like that. And just we got so warmed up to it so quickly. And I got to tell you, I fell in love with doing this. Like, this is this this show is like, you know, I don't want to say my baby and say it's our baby. But, you know, we really like I think we've developed like a fun little thing here. And I just I just enjoy doing it. You know what I mean? I, I mean, we're just basically throwing caution to the wind and seeing, you know. And it, br- and it breaks stuff. up the normal things that you do. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And it allows me, listen, I mean, I'm married to this studio. <laughs> Obviously, I'm married to my wife, but, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, she's going to be like, wait a minute. Um, no, but it really, I mean, it's, you know, it takes up the majority of my time. And, you know, I'm just so buried in creativity and doing creative work, you know, whether it's video or painting or whatever, it just takes up so much. It's such a time suck that you need that kind of exit. And, you know, I, I like that people come in and like to have great conversations and it's just really just, it's cathartic for me. You know, I, that's really why I do it. And I mean, and now that Papa's plural, I mean, when Joey came in as the presenting sponsor, um, you know, I was just like, yeah, this is really, really great. And then, you know, now Papa's Pilar is coming in. Um, the show is, I guess we can officially announce um, here that it's it's presented by Joey Cardi, fueled by Papa's Pilar Rum, uh, moving forward to for all eternity, God willing. Um, so we're extremely excited about that, you know, and I'm just probably more excited about the fact that they've given the acknowledgement to the show, and you know it, it speaks to its reputability. But 
I'm going to be getting free room. So it's <laughs> <laughs> That's like I said, you, you know, hey, you can't bring the Dodge or the Ram truck in the studio, but you can right. bring the Papa's yeah, Pilar. So there is a, some co- accommodation. Yeah. So, so we're, you know, I mean, I, and I know I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I mean, do you feel that passion when you're doing it? Like, do you just have fun with it? I mean, definitely. And I think, I think I, I love, I love that name connected by water because it's true. It's, and I think you and I, when we were talking on the phone, Mm -hmm. when we were coordinating today, it's true. No matter where you are, you can be in an airport and you're wearing a fishing shirt or someone sees you, someone sees me carrying my fly rod case and Mm it, and it always sparks conversation. No matter yeah. where you are, people. Like, oh, they're one of me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like your people. No. Like these are yeah. my people. And yeah. those experiences that you have, like you know, the trip I took with George to Treasure K. I had never done a crossing before. I had mm. never. I mean, on the way back, I was starting to <laughs> regret it a little bit. But <laughs> the way back there, she was uh, real a real quiet. Sketchy. <laughs> a little sketchy. But you know, I mean, it's it's it is those experiences that those are lifelong memories and the bonds that you create with the people that you go out on the water with and you catch those bucket list fish with, those are memories that you'll never, I mean, they're priceless, totally priceless. So I think when people call into the show and you hear that enthusiasm when they've just caught, you know, a 40 inch snook and it's their biggest snook ever. I mean, you get just as excited for them because you know what that means. And, you know, I mean, I, people always tease me because whenever I'm on the boat and I catch a big fish or someone on my boat catches a big fish, I literally get the happy shakes. Like I shake, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I shake from excitement because I'm so excited and, you know, make fun of me. That's fine. Because you know, when that feeling goes away, everyone should be so lucky in their lifetime to feel that way about what they're passionate about. That's that's the way I see it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, 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 it really is a blessing to, to be able to, you know, make a profession out of doing something that you love, which is not to say it's not hard work. I mean, really hard work. The time that you put in. Anything worth celebrating should be, right? Amen. In in some aspect. I mean, absolutely. the the, the hard work's a virtue, the way I see it. You know, and the, 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 the rewards that you reap from that hard work, I mean, just make it that much sweeter. You know, and and I think that's, that's why it should be a part of it because, and I think that's why people get criticized when things happen, you know, too easily for some people, or they've been born into a situation where there's things just, and I think that's why people like, don't really look at that as like a true accomplishment sometimes because they can just say, yeah, you know, you didn't really work for that. And I think there's, there's a lot of value to that. You know, there's value to work, you know, working hard for something. I don't know. So maybe it's the rum talking, <laughs> <laughs> which he usually does around this time of the podcast. So um, I want to do some promotion here for you guys, right? So, um, George, January is is when the new uh, season. Uh, yeah, is. our new season of uh, George Poveromo's World of Saltwater Fishing, year number twenty one. Mm-hmm. We kick off on January Discovery Channel, uh, eight o'clock Sunday mornings, beginning mm-hmm. with the first Sunday in January, going through June, going through and, June. Uh, we're down to shooting our final two episodes. Next week will be in Key Largo. The following uh, week will be in Marathon. And that wraps up 13 episodes. And then we um, edit them and start in January. So another year, you know, getting ready to go behind us nice. in January. Nice. Maybe a Connected by Water episode. Never know. <laughs> you and Brent Meckler. <laughs> this is a massive peacock fishing. Um, yeah, no, so that's great. And, and well, it, it, it's funny because you know, you, you, you know, we joke around. You want me to take you to 
the canal, and I thought about doing an episode out of there, but I said there's one other person who now is like guiding out of there. He's a saltwater individual. I'm not going to name any names because you could put two and two together. And uh, I said, you know, in our, for me, growing up there, it's like a sacred canal. You know, this is where you grew up, and the fishing is good in there. And so I spoke to this individual, and I said, I'm going to ask you this, because I thought about doing something different, doing just a, a knockoff where I grew up fishing in this canal for a show. But I said, I know that you charter in there. Now, you and I had discussions that you don't want anybody really blowing that place up. So I wanted to bounce it off of you before I even made that decision. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, my God, you know, that place is just so good. We don't need anybody coming in or discovering that thing. And I said, you know, you're right. And I said, I sort of had that in my heart, but I wanted to bounce it mm-hmm. off of you. I needed you to tell me not to do that. Trust. And and, and, it, and it, it's, you know, it's such a, I mean, it could be a hard place to fish, but it could be a super good place to fish. And it's a small area and doesn't need the notoriety to be beaten up and all that. So we decided to just, to, I'm not going to do it. That's good, so. good on you because some, so. some places need to be held sacred. Yeah, yeah and some that's, that's, that's one of them. You know? That's true. Yeah. If you yeah. don't get if you don't get shots, you might catch some fish down there. <laughs> <laughs> now I know where you're talking about. <laughs> cool, very right. So catch this show on Discovery Channel this January, right? Yes. And um, hopefully we'll get a. Uh, if I give you a connected by water cookie, maybe um, I'll get. Uh, it, is getting, yeah, it is getting close to lunchtime. These are good cookies. That I have. They're, they're, they're really good cookies. And, and, yeah, she makes a very good cookie. Be careful how much sugar you give George now. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if uh, so, I can't wait to see that bonefish episode. That's going to be a good one. That was. It was a very good one. Yeah. And, uh, it just showcases Miami what it is. Okay, you know. That's my favorite kind of fishing, by the way. Is oh my fishing gosh. for bonefish. It, it's it ama- really is. It, it's amazing. And, and okay, again, as we, you all know, I grew up in Miami. And, of course, you know, all throughout your fishing formative years, it was always that magazine articles. And any early TV shows way back then, Miami's Biscayne Bay, biggest bonefish in the world. That was like the major destination to go to get big bonefish. And then something happened the last 10, 15 or so years. You don't hear about it that much anymore. Just like it, it faded, and I know that run off. You, you get well. No, you still you you get the largest bonefish there because what happens with the bonefish right there at that part of Biscayne Bay? It's pretty much the northernmost part of their range, and when you look at a species, whether you go to the northernmost part of their range, those species tend to be the largest that can withstand any different temperature variations or more aggressive temperature variations. And that happens, you know, you go off Virginia Beach or those places there, you, you get the larger of these species. Well, Biscayne Bay is a place where you get the largest bonefish because of that being a northernmost range mm-hmm. or limits of the range. You go to the Bahamas, you could get schools, 50, 100 bonefish. Half a pound or a pound, you, you yeah. know, we troll Ballyhoo bigger than yeah. that. It's fun. Yeah, a lot of them <laughs> People get to eat anything, get yeah. meet, they can throw and get to eat this cookie. That's how, but for the biggies, you know, Isla Murano has always been a, a very known spot. Key Largo, although it doesn't get fished as hard as Isla Murano for bonefish, but Miami, uh, Biscayne Bay has long been heralded as the premier bonefish spot. So I said, let's do a show down there. We're going to wake up the dead. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. what happened down here? And, and I was with Joe Gonzalez, who's a longtime buddy. I've known Joe way before I even got in the industry. Joe is the man on Biscayne Bay. No, there's no doubt. I, yeah. told, I tell him is that when, when I ever do a book on the top five all-time Biscayne Bay 
flats guys. Joe would be within a doubt, within the top five, if not within the top three. That's how knowledgeable he is. And he, mm-hmm. he's a wonderful guy. I've known him way back. I'd agree with that. So we go out, we fish. And, man, and again, we're not doing a polling technical skiff. I've got the 21 light tackle skiff, power poles, and a trolling motor, okay? And you get some very skinny water with that. So we're doing it without poles but with a trolling motor. And, uh, you know, we hit some beautiful bonefish. The biggest one was like nine and a half pounds on the show, which showcases why that's that nice, destination that's nice is, is, is a, That's awesome. But, but that's Miami. So I'm wondering, why did it fall asleep for 10, 15 years? So we did a show. Because you haven't been down there in a while. I don't know about that. I'm more <laughs> an offshore guy, but it was certainly fun getting out there and, and catching big bones. And um, so that would be a pretty cool episode. And we did it three ways. We did working the trolling motor, sun at your back, and sight casting the fish mm-hmm. and catching them that way. Then we, which was, uh, Joe told me, he says, you know what I found the day before, George? We I saw this big giant mud. I thought it was a mullet mud. So I go up and I cast the bonefish were mudding. So it said, I got the tide in the area. We're going to go an hour later when you're here, see if they're still there. Well, we were out there and we saw them mudding again. I'm talking about the size of this parking lot. So we threw in there and we're catching them mudding in Biscayne Bay like they would in the Bahamas. That's great. Then, wow. Then the third thing we wanted to showcase is, you know, um, anchoring, they're just chumming them up behind the boat, have them come in and, and, and pitching a bait in there. So caught them three different ways and it was a, an exceptional trip and i'm telling you that, that the bay still has it down there you know the funny thing so is, cool. is when i saw yeah so cool when i when i saw you post those pictures with joe like, and i think i commented i got so jealous <laughs> <laughs> oh george you went down there look at you you look at you look at you you and brent Mecker were having a competition who was posting yeah. the most on my, uh, like, my oh, there. Look at you. All right, so um, tell me some things about that Fort Myers fishery a little bit. I mean, I want to promote your charter. About Astero Bay? Yeah, and about Astero Bay because, um, you know, I I, I went down, I fished, um, this is about maybe a month and a half ago, I fished with with Jeff, and we fished all throughout the Charlotte Harbor. Yeah, uh, so you guys were north of where I'm at. Yeah. So you were in a different fishery. So, yep, I fished Astero Bay primarily, which is south um and so south of pine island Mm -hmm. i don't know if you know where pine Mm -hmm. island is but but essentially you know it's estero bay is pretty unique we've got a really phenomenal juvenile tarpon fishery Mm -hmm. which a lot of people i don't think realize or if they realize it they don't utilize it which that's just fine um but we've got a series of you know five rivers and creeks that feed into estero bay Mm -hmm. blackwater rivers and creeks and um, you know, certain times of year, primarily spring and fall, those juvenile tarpon stage just on the outside of those rivers and creeks. And man, it's just so much fun on artificial and, and fly. It's just an absolute blast. And, and like I said, I mean, we, we definitely saw, uh, the repercussions of the red tide event that we mm-hmm. had a couple of years ago and, and it's still bouncing back, but there's some areas, you know, up in, um, places like Hendry Creek and some of those creeks too, where there's just some monster monster snook if you spend some time Mm -hmm. up in those areas and obviously the red fishing is really good i mean you know in the fall months we get the big bull reds that come come in right around the passes and right now we're seeing some phenomenal pompano fishing um nice size pompano um two pounds on average but we've seen some in the past couple of days i think four to six pound range like big pompano wow big pompano and um 
even near shore right now, we're seeing a lot of big kingfish, um, some really nice cobia have been coming from some of the near shore wrecks and reefs. Um, so yeah, it's, it's the area, I think, you know, for a long time it, it was, it is, it's, it's highly pressured. I mean, Fort Myers beach is a, a big tourist destination. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there's a lot of charter boats that go out of that area, but I think that, you know, a lot of the, um, awareness that has been created through organizations like captains for clean water. And just the fact that we've, you know, we've shut down that fishery for our big three species has really helped it start to rebound. Cause we've seen That's some of nice the biggest, seen those results some of the that. biggest redfish that we've seen, you know, we were seeing a lot of big, you know, bull reds this past late summer and early fall, which was mm-hmm. just fantastic to see. And in good numbers. I mean, you know, there were days guys would come in and they had been out there catching, you know, 20, 30 redfish on a half day trip. So yeah, we had them pretty good last time I was out there too. So that, that, that was good. That was reassuring. Yeah. To, to, to see that for sure. And it's one yeah. of the things I like about the West coast, um, that I kind of miss a little bit sometimes, you know, again, I'll reiterate, I went to art school in Sarasota. So I have a little bit of, you know, an experience of, living the lifestyle of the West coast, it's completely different than East coast lifestyle. Um, you know, whether you want to say one is better than the other, um, I would not even say it's an argument. It's just, they're both different. You know, it's just, it's just, they're just different places. Um, and and one of the things I love that you kind of mentioned were things like creeks and different, you know, nooks and crannies and different places like that. It's such more of a natural coastline over there. Um, that you can get deep into and, you know, and really kind of you know, use your angling talents in a different way. It's a yeah. great place if you're a kayak angler. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So there's there's yeah. a lot of versatility over there. Um, so, so sometimes, like, you can hear, it's like, sometimes you get that mentality of, like, go big or go home. Um, but, you know, you can come over to the West Coast and just, like, you know, lay your attitude back a little bit and just say, all right, we're just out in a creek today or, you know, we're just going for the snooks or just to fish in some oyster beds or something like that. And, you know, and just when you convert on a fish, it's just a different experience. But it's to me, it's just a beautiful work of art when that happens. So Definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the sheep's head, too, on our coast, we see some big sheep's head that come in during the winter months, mm-hmm. you know. So that's going to be what a lot of the captains will be focusing on. And now, what are big? How do you define big? What, what pound range would you say? One, two, maybe? No, I got one on fly. Are you talking about the length of the front teeth? No, I got one on fly last year that was, it was probably about six, six pounds. That's why I hate her. Yeah. 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 Gets these right. big catches. Yeah. Phenomenal. I mean, well, and on you, fly to get them to take artificial that's isn't, amazing isn't too, easy. Sheep's head, so. they do that. That's on fly. Yeah, That's mm-hmm. crazy, isn't it? Six pounds of sheep's on a fly. Mm-hmm. Right around the oyster bars. Yeah. There's some, there's some. Chunky ones that come in in the winter. But, yeah, it's... That not everyone is able to catch. So it's pretty impressive. It is. Even a natural bait, they're, they're sometimes tricky to catch. Yeah. So that, think that's about great. an artificial. That's pretty yeah. bizarre. Yeah, that's good. Or a fly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even, even more difficult. That's challenging. So if you want to convert some fish like this in style, like on fly rod, right, how do people book you for a charter? They can just go to shefishes. Two, and that's the number two, <laughs> not she fishes one, right. not she fishes one, number two. Um, 
Yeah, they can just go there. There's a contact form on the website. They can just fill that out. That goes directly to me. Or they can just give me a call. Dare I put? Dare I say my phone number on air? <laughs> That's your call. It's all good. I can always screen the calls. No, yeah. and, and they could just call me directly. It's 239-233-4930. So nice. either the website or just give me a call. Yeah, we yep. will definitely be booking you. Um, we'll, they're going to have my whole family overloading your boat and kids <laughs> fishing on your boat. So we're all, you know, one might fall in every now and then, but it's okay. Yeah, I can only take two as of now, but hopefully in the future, you know how it is. You get one boat and you always have to upgrade. So eventually yep. later on down the line, hopefully start getting into more fishing some of the brackish areas and hopefully more of the saltwater stuff. Yeah, so, are, are there any aspects that we didn't cover today you'd like to promote? I think we, I think we did a great job covering it. Yeah, yeah it was okay. awesome All being right. in here yeah, with both of you guys. I just want to make sure and... that we didn't leave, leave any uh, stone unturned there for you. So, and I really appreciate your time, especially driving over from the West Coast. Are you kidding me? Thank you so much for having me. And it's always I always love hanging out with this guy. How this can you not? The best, isn't he? All of his sarcasm. Yeah, we didn't we we didn't get into the offshore vortex story yet, but that's another another day. Is it? That's today. That's today. How do oh, we you, have oh, time? Aren't we on off, a You like, know what? That's funny. On the back here? of my sheet, it, oh, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. It says offshore vortex <laughs> story right there. You, you cannot leave and go back without talking about the Oh, you got to tell vortex. the story. You tell it better All than right. me. All right. As I mentioned, it's our first time, you know, going, especially Bahamas right. fishing. So we're taking right. our offshore. Well, this will be this will be what brings it home, by the way. Okay. Right. This will be our bring it home yeah. story. So... We, we take her offshore, and she's, we're, we're making... I better have another sip of this yeah, right better. here. Yeah. In Treasure K, <laughs> and uh, we're making that long run, 150 miles or whatever, 180, whatever it is. We take off, and then we clear Palm Beach Inlet, and the camera boats run alongside. I'm with Debbie in the Mark 6. We're running along, and I said, Debbie, now you got to be, you know, careful. When I tell you to hang on tight to the T-top, the you hang on, because I said, we're going to see some offshore vortexes along the way, and we've got to really run around them. Mm-hmm. And she goes, what is, what's an offshore vortex? I said, you, you don't know what those are? And I said, they generally occur around the middle of the Gulf Stream. And I said, did you ever, like, flush your toilet and just see the big tornado-like that goes down? I said, they, they, these really? are vortexes, but they're offshore. They're caused by this mm-hmm. weird interaction between the Gulf Stream flow, the moon, barometric pressure. Mm-hmm. And they get these big vortexes that go down you know, scientists measured them down to five, six hundred feet. So said sometime when you're, I don't you're, remember you getting that specific. <laughs> you're a bad man, George. You know, me, me either. I think I'm elaborating now. <laughs> you anyway, are. We were running. If we get, if we see them together, we got to remember if we get caught in one, like on a circle, I got to hammer the boat to power out of it. So make sure you're hanging on your t-top. And I think you may ask me what happens if you get caught. I said you go you get, go down. And she and I had her going. And she was worried about these offshore vortexes. He didn't get that specific with like mm-hmm. the number of feet mm-hmm. or yeah, yeah. But so, so we, we got to worry about the, going the offshore vortexes going across yeah. the stream. Yeah. Well, he he was like, have you? So have you done? Have you have you done a crossing before? Have you made a crossing? And I was like, no, I haven't actually. Well, the second you said no, he'd stick. Well, yeah, I got a live exactly. One. It, yep, that's exactly what happened, Dennis. That is exactly what happened. And now to this day, anytime he calls me with a story, it's like. You know the boy who cried wolf. I don't believe anything he says. We do have one more surprise for you to end the show. Yeah, we do. John, John, do you want to reveal the surprise? 
We have some popcorn for you. <laughs> I don't know what the inside joke is. Oh, seriously. I'm, I'm going to tell you the story, and, and, I'm, and I won't exaggerate on this one. I'll tell you the facts. All right. This all started the popcorn incident. You might as well hold it. It's yours. You're an expert. At this, so oh, hold on to that. This all started with the seminar series. And um, what we did, we didn't do it this year because we ended right before the COVID thing hit. I mean, right when it did. But the year before, we decided, let's have a party for the touring national faculty members. Those are the people that do two, at least a minimum of two of the eight stops on a tour, and the people who work the front and help us. And we decided, let's do a party. And we did it up in Central Florida, Howie in the Hills. Mm-hmm. So Debbie had done two or three stops on a tour, so she was invited to come to the party. So Alberto, crazy Alberto knee brought all these fish in, or we actually we contributed fish. He was making sushi that night. It was gonna just a nice good party. Probably, I don't know, what do you say, 12, 15 people, maybe? Yeah. Something like that. And um so Mike Goodwine, one of our touring faculty members who was a uh, a Tampa Bay guide, uh tours with us. He's he's like the king of comedy. He gave her the nickname, he calls her Miss America. Because he's so proper and a whole bit in there. So that's like their little thing. She's known as Miss America. So we go to the party, and naturally we have Papa's Polar Rum there, and then uh, Alberto's doing the sushi, and he has sake. Now, I don't I never, I never, don't think I even tasted sake before, so that's not my thing. Actually, I brought it. Okay, you brought it. You brought I the brought sake. it. So yeah. I just stuck with the Papa's. So everything's all good, and we're enjoying it. And then we had this big picnic table, like, in the patio. So we're all sitting there afterwards, and, and all of a sudden we're talking – Amongst the group, and, and this popcorn hits me. And I, go, oh, I don't think much about it. And another popcorn thing hits you. <laughs> then the third, I said, where is this popcorn coming from? And I see Debbie over there <laughs> throwing this popcorn and just throwing it. And um, apparently, I think it was a sake. What, what are you going to blame it on? I'll give it. I'll, I'll no, it, it, it was definitely the sake. It was a. It was like yeah, a. It was, so it was a pear sake. So it it snuck up on you because it tasted fruity. You know, you didn't really. It, it got yeah. her too. Yeah, but but here's the thing. I wasn't just throwing popcorn for no reason. I think there were a few like Miss America comments that were coming from the other side of the table. But it wasn't me. So there was so a it hard was ammunition. It, it might have been from Mike Goodwine. Because right. I generally, well, I think I, you were just in the firing line, though. Yeah, because I generally don't antagonize, but you know, but uh, right, you, you, you really, know, you never, you he right. never, right. never right. does that. All right, that was all, that never, right. never hey, does I'm that. Throwing a yellow flag. That was a lie. Thank you, Dennis. <laughs> Thank you, Dennis. Not, not a true statement. Fake news. Thank you. Thank you for that. So, long story short. You know, and then we had everybody staying at the um, at the local inn, the golf course um, place, and so everyone's getting ready to leave. And then, uh, of course, Debbie, a be bit, the country club golf course place. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's by by Howie and Hills, okay. Mission Inn, Mission Inn Golf Course. Okay, it was you know, about a, not even a mile from where we had the party, so that's where everybody was staying. So everyone's starting to leave, and I said, well, we can't let Debbie leave like that, all the sake, because, you know, I'm not going to let her drive these country roads. So I asked my buddy Carl and his wife. I said, hey, would you do me a favor? Take Debbie. Poor Carl. And bring her back to her place. <laughs> she could come back in the morning and pick her car up. And I said, you know, she can't be driving these country roads and you know, in this condition. The poor girl's throwing popcorn There'll be freaking popcorn all down the highway. The Department of Transportation give me a fine for spilling popcorn. So... 
I was so feeding the herons. They, 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 they took her in the whole bit. So anyway, oh, yeah. next morning you wake up, and so I'm going out to clean the place up, but I'm looking freaking popcorn freaking everywhere. <laughs> so you sweep that stuff out, and then no big deal. And then um, I go back there about two months later, and I look where I swept the popcorn out. I've got full rows of corn growing behind the place out there right now because all because of her. But anyway, that's the popcorn story. With, he with never Debbie. exaggerates either. No, not at all. None. I love it. I, he's, he's just in a deal I got from the ethanol company. I was wondering where he's going. He, he says, make sure you have popcorn in the room. I told Dennis that you need to have popcorn. I said, okay, fine. We'll bring in a bag of popcorn. I don't know why, but we're doing it. Because everybody, right. you know, they hear, yes. they, there you go. they hear the glamorous part. They hear the glamorous part about everybody. <laughs> but people want to know, okay, what's the other side? You know, everyone hears all the, the, the cool things about people. So I said, well, I got bring a bag of popcorn in. We're gonna we're gonna unload this the one. Glamorous, when does the glamorous part kick in? I don't know. That's what I was, that's what I was kind of wondering. But you know, I don't. I, yeah, I was kind of wondering the same same so, exact thing. So anyway, there was a side of Debbie that um, you know. I, love I just thought I'd bring it up for some good humor, and uh, Miss America uh, you know, <laughs> loves to throw popcorn. That was a good way to bring it up. It home. was a long season. Somebody <laughs> forgot to bring me my crown. That's what right. What can I say? You know, it's one of those, one of those times. <laughs> no sash, no crown. No, there's no crown needed. So the popcorn there's no crown. Seems justified to me. Yep. So <laughs> I, I guess it's one of those things you had to be I get, there. <laughs> I get hazed about offshore vortexes. I mean, you know, can you understand why there might be, like, pent up, you know, I understand. See, you, you do. You understand, understand completely. <laughs> exactly. Case yeah. in point right there. thousand percent. Good way to bring it home, guys. Good way to bring it home. All right. If you're in the market for a new vehicle, right, contact our buddies at joeycardychrysler.jeepram. The best price selection and service in town. They will hook you up. Right? Tell them Connected by Water sent you. Tell them Dennis Friel said go in and buy a truck and you do and you did right um they have uh, oh, a wonderful line of vehicles um right now um i personally drive that dodge ram rebel i couldn't be more in love with that vehicle it's, it's just phenomenal it's the best truck i ever owned um so when i'm ready to trade my jeep in <laughs> yes absolutely. they've got me they've got you you're a jeep owner yes i am how does this happen sahara i know he's not but you know like I have a friend seems, today. What's that? I have a friend today. Usually everybody owns Dodge or Jeep in here. Right. So, not, so he's, a GMC, he's a GMC oh, guy. He's a GMC guy. So he's a GMC guy. It's okay. <laughs> um, but I say 90% of the people, and I don't plan this. I go, oh, yeah. And they go, oh, no, we own a Ram. I own a Ram. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. I own a Jeep. I own a Jeep. Well, as All I right. mentioned the last time, we had this discussion that the Rams have done tremendously well yeah. tremendous. with the 2,500, 3,500s. I mean, they've really, they did their homework and they're really, Doing incredible things out there yeah. right now. And yeah. like I said it before, and I'll preface this, I'm a Ford guy, mm-hmm. but they're doing unbelievably well. Yeah. Yep, they are. They are. Absolutely. Um, and um, when you're driving your Ram truck and you happen to get hungry and you might be in Lighthouse Point, you might want to consider heading over to Papa's Raw Bar and ordering something off the Connected by Water-inspired sushi menu that they have. At he's, their got his, he's got his own... Uh, Menu. Yeah, we do have our own menu at the sushi bar. That, wow. At the best raw bar in all of South Florida. Um, hands down, um, Papa's got it dialed in. 
Um, it is the local of all local spots um, that you could ever kind of think of. And Troy and Cassidy, you can see their good vibes. Eat, drink, and be local. That's their saying. I'm going to go drive um, down, look at the mural, <laughs> and then have some sushi. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and go go ahead and, and check those guys out. Um, we wanted to mention at the end, of, as we're doing on every episode for the Fishing for Muscular Dystrophy, the FFMD, they're the FFMDraffle.com. They are raffling off a brand new Ford Tremor, um, brand new, a beautiful truck. Um, and they are also raffling off an Everglades Bay Boat and a brand new golf cart. We wrapped all of them, custom designed all that in collaboration with our good friends at SignZoo. And um, don't do it for the reward. Do it for the effort. Right? There's an outstanding organization. Um, you know, Paul Robertson um, is the owner of that organization. He suffers from MD as well. Actually, I don't even want to say he suffers. He thrives from it, right? Because that is the type of person that he is. Right? He doesn't let things get him down. He moves forward. He pushes forward. One of the nicest guys I've ever, I've ever met in my entire life for sure. Uh, but he's also one of the most driven um, all the money from that organization goes right to the kids um, and all the kids' camps. And um, it really is, um, they go around and they fish tournaments to raise awareness. Um, he's laid out a lot of his own money for this. Um, it's not the type of organization that you're paying just for their fishing. Um, you know, through this organization, they have raised millions of dollars for these children. Um, it is a, um, I'm just going to say it's a horrible disease. And just kind of leave it at that. What they have to deal with, um, the shortness of life, and the and just the trials that they have to go through while they're living their lives is just you know horrible. Um, so please, please give to this organization. They do this raffle every year. Uh, we are more than inspired and happy to be involved with them. Um, and then also, um, uh, did we cover all bases? I think. Yeah. On that today. Yep. So okay. Um, I, I don't mean to get too emotional about that one, but I, that, that oh, organization really point. is, yeah, really is close during near to my heart. And sure. uh, we, we only get behind people that we really truly believe in. Um, you know, they don't pay us to say any of that stuff. We just really believe in their efforts and their work. And we want to promote that as much as we possibly can. Um, so cool. Um, Debbie, thank you for the cookies. Thank you for you are driving so over here. Welcome. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me. I, I, I really think a lot had a blast our, today. Yeah, I think a lot of our awesome. key customers are going to be getting some connected by water cookies for Christmas <laughs> this year. This, this, so, um, you, you, what's your friend's name again? Her name is Eve Nolan, and her company is Eve's Custom Cookies and Cakes. And yeah, she yeah. does, as you can see, a phenomenal <laughs> job. Yeah. Phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. So, Jenny's going to be yep. giving Eve a call here and placing a bunch of orders. So, um, so thank you for driving all the way over here this morning. Happy uh, I hope to you do feel it. My it was pleasure. Worth the trip. Um, I hope we were um, you know, hospitable. Other than to the you. abuse that I took today, right? Yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, to deal with this guy, but you. And the thing is, she keeps coming back for more. I know, yes, right? Glutton for, for punishment. Right? So, and I'm very happy that this guy lives down the street and comes on the Me show too. all the time. And, and it's just, we're honored to have you once again. Well, sir. like I said, always honored to be here. Like I told you earlier, you're a good man and you, you run a good show and you have a lot of good people. And anytime you want me here, let me know and I'll come here. And if you need more rum, I'll, I'll still come by. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's always enjoyable doing it. And like I said, I'm down the street. It's always fun hanging out with you guys. It really is. 
Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you, Appreciate George. It. Thank you, George. And remember, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we are always connected, connected by, by water. water. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.